What's up, mi gente? This episode of Mi Gente Show is our Halloween spooktacular. It features two guests. First up, Joe Castro, special effects guru and indie horror icon. And then Andrew Hara, a filmmaker from Texas that we met last year at the San Diego Latino Film Festival, who is also in the horror genre. We speak a lot about movies, horror films. We do a, a bracket bit about horror franchises. We do a lot of stuff. We do some no namas way anonymous advice. It's a fun episode. Check it out. Thank you, everybody that listens for hitting the like, downloading our episodes, rating us, following us. It's all helping us grow organically, which we love. Thank you very much. Enjoy the episode. Enjoy the pod. Uh, so let's get this out of the way, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I am... Uh... I'm Nick Who are you Cage supposed to be? You're Nick Cage. Conair. Got it? Because I got the. Yeah, love it. Not at hair. all lazy. We love it. What's up? I said not at all lazy. Not yeah, at all lazy at all. It. Not at all that I see a, a white A shirt in my in my <laughs> closet and be like, and I saw my hair and I was like, I could be Ooh. Nick Cage in Conair for yeah, Halloween. Yeah. You tried. You did. I it. tried. I did it. I did all my that thing. Matters. The hair is perfect, I want to say. Yeah, 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 <laughs> absolutely. Uh, what's up, everybody? Um, special Halloween spooktacular today. Mm-hmm. Um, lots to talk about. We're going to be getting our spook on with some very special guests. Um, but uh, let's let's stick off. Uh, Sophia, you got anything major, uh, personal, or any rant or rave or thing other than your beautiful yeah. costume? Yeah. <laughs> um no i'm just excited to do the spooktacular man i love halloween i love dia de los muertos all the spooky season and it's almost over and it's breaking my freaking heart we have like what one week left one week left yeah i guess yeah yeah man and like i'm gonna miss it do you have any festivities what about you i don't know i'm I'm, i was gonna ask you if there's anything good going on because i am Uh, available to go out so if there's something (laughs) alexis is having a party (laughs) tomorrow yeah yeah i'm in i'm in Let's do it. Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to save my rants for later. We're going to get we're going to get right to it because we got two guests today and we don't want to back it up. So let's yes. go ahead and bring our guests. I met this guy, uh, our first guest at um, on a film set for another friend of ours, uh, Ian Tripp, um, where uh, we were shooting a movie and I got to talk to him. And 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 I was like, he's like, oh, you're a filmmaker. And, and he was like, yeah. And then I was he's like, well, how many movies have you made? I was like, well, two features. And he's like, oh, me too. I was like, how many have you made? And he's like, 19. And I was like. <laughs> Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, he also apparently holds the records for more bodies, most bodies in a slasher movie. Mm-hmm. He is, uh, you know, um, an icon in the indie mm-hmm. horror scene. And we're very honored to have him on the show. So let's bring on Mr. Uh, Joe Castro. Yes. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Uh, hello, uh, Luis and Sofia. How are you doing, doing this evening? Doing well. How are you doing? It's good I'm doing you. good. I just want to say that intro was so entertaining. I was like g- giggle. I put my my button on mute because I was giggling. I was cackling over here. I was telling my my husband. Oh yeah, me, uh, yeah. I try to just add as much stuff to the to the video as I can. So so today I was like, any spooky green screen stuff that yeah. I have is going in there. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's my style. That's my day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then I found the uh, I found the uh, the the Spider Man does the thriller dance thing, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's that's going in there as well. Um, so thank you very much, Joe, for stopping by today, man. Um, thank you, thank you, and I, thank you for the wonderful introduction. That's very kind of you. Uh, yeah, absolutely, man. So let's let's jump right into it. Um, it is the spooky season, mm-hmm. um, and you have been in this industry for a very long time. 
Um, where did you where where did you get that start? Were you always a fan of horror movies growing up? Was was there a traumatic event that led to this, or how did you how did you become uh, a master of horror effects? That's a great question. Um, you know, how did I begin? Well, you know, uh, grow, I grew up in South Texas in a little town called Holotus, Texas. I think there was like population fourteen hundred, and um, you know, I'm. Um, uh, uh, I, I'm trying to set the mood for like what my childhood was like. Okay. okay. I grew up on a goat ranch. It was like 55 acres and we had a slaughterhouse on the, on the, on the ranch. We had goats and we sold goats. We sold cabrito and um, we would slaughter the goats there, obviously. And so I saw all of that. Oh my growing God. Up. It was very traumatic. You know, I saw all kinds of horrific things as a child. And, um, you know, I was also, um, I, you know, I was a, I, I'm a, I'm a gay man and, uh, you know, I'm married now. I have a husband, but growing up in a town of 1400 in South Texas in 19, I, you know, 19, the 1970s, 1970s, my childhood, um, you know, I didn't even know there was another gay person on this planet until, <laughs> until I saw boy George seeing, do you really want to hurt me on MTV? Literally, yeah. I didn't know. And mm-hmm. so that, that, that was my childhood. It's like, so how, where did this horror thing come from, Joe? Well, <laughs> I, you know, I liked dragons and I liked dinosaurs. And my father was very, he was one of my biggest cheerleaders. And he, he knew what I liked. And so one day when I was seven years old, he sat me down in front of the TV. Because, you know, I was very kind of lost. You know, I was very quiet, you know. And I always played by myself, this kind of thing. And um, he said, son, watch this. I think you're going to like this. And it was Godzilla versus the Smog Monster. And um, it was a Saturday afternoon, and uh, I got to see the movie by myself in the living room on a Saturday afternoon creature feature. My no one was in the house. My father was outside working on the ranch, and my my brother and my mother were gone. So um, I sat and watched this movie. And when the credits ended, you know, I was just so like enthralled by this movie. It just like totally changed my whole world. And then my, my dad came in when the movie ended. And I said, Dad, how do they do that? He said, Son, that's special effects. That's how they do that. They do that with special effects. And so we watched the credits together and there was like, you know, this Asian, this Asian Japanese, you know, artist, you know, the master, special director of special effects. And it was the, the man's name. And I said, that's what I want to do when I grow up, dad. And that's where it literally all began. And then from that moment on, I've never really looked back. It's all, every, everything I do, every, every, everything in life is, is focused on, you know, chasing that goal, you know, or meeting that goal. And, and um, yeah, you know, I mean, and my dad knew that made me happy. And he wanted me to be happy. He didn't. He didn't. Didn't matter that I was gay or you know what was going on in the world around me. He just wanted me to be happy, and so he uh, he did everything he could to make sure that uh, uh, I was able to you know live my dream, dream, chase my dream, and and be happy. And you know he 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 made me make a promise to him when I was 18 years old. I remember I was this is right after high school. I hadn't moved out to LA yet, and I was getting ready to move out to LA. And uh, I was coming in the house. As he no, I was walking out of the house as he was coming in the house on the front porch. And he said, son, he stopped me. He said, son, promise me that you will never stop chasing your dream. Because he knew that things change all the time in the world. But he knew that that was the one thing that always made me happy. And he wanted to make sure that no one ever distracted me or deterred me or stopped me from doing that. Because he had seen a lot of people, um, obviously, you know, just, you know, in anybody's life, you know, there's a lot of people that will try to pull you down or stop you from doing uh, what you love. You know, there's a lot of people in this world that uh, if they can't have what you have, they'll be happy. Sorry about that. It's okay. They'll be happy destroying what you got, you know? 
And uh, I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer, but he, he knew it, you know, and he knew I had a hard road ahead of me in the 70s, uh, growing up, being picked on and pushed around and, you know, having my dreams squashed and people saying, you know, uh, whatever, you know, there in Holotus, Texas, you know, how many, how many, how many people in Holotus, Texas dreamed of being a special effects artist or, um, you know, an actor or, a, you know, a movie star or a movie director, you know, not many, you know, it wasn't, uh, wasn't the kind of thing you did growing up in a town in that town so you knew i had a had a hard road ahead of me how did you eventually uh migrate to los angeles that's a good question how did i go to los angeles <laughs> yeah you know you know what happened was i graduated but when i was in high school i i um i uh, i won a international special or a special effects makeup contest mm -hmm. you had to be it was like 17 and under and it was uh, through a magazine uh that i read it was called uh famous monsters of filmland Actually, it was called Monsterland Magazine, which was an offshoot magazine of famous monsters of Filmland. And you're like, what's famous monsters of Filmland? What is this? Yeah. Well, famous, mo you know, the reason why we're having this, the, 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 this reason why we're having this conversation right now is because of famous monsters of Filmland. Famous, the man that made famous monsters of Filmland, his name was Forrest Ackerman, and he was the very first like sci-fi horror entertainment groupie ever like ever mm -hmm. and he he interviewed people like joe dante steven spielberg john landis toby hooper george romero all those horror directors john carpenter and he um you know he was like personal friends with bella lugosi and boris karloff and all the movie stars and he lived here in hollywood and he would sneak onto the movie sets on the back lot of the movie sets that Warner Brothers and Universal Studios and uh, 20th Century Fox when he was a kid. Because back then it was different. It was a different time. You could sneak yeah. in as a kid, you could, you know, walk in, smile, whatever. All the props that they didn't have yeah. worth to it, I guess. You, you know what I mean? It <laughs> wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't like it is today where someone's gonna like come in with a gun and shoot you. And so <laughs> he could sneak in on these sets and then he just you know hang out in the back and watch out as long as he wasn't bothering anybody. I'm sure no one said anything. And um uh, so Forrest Ackerman made this magazine and he had a contest in the magazine. I used to read the magazine. He said, uh, make, make a special effect and win a chance to uh, win a trip to Hollywood and meet all the, the special effects movie stars and your famous monster makers. And uh, so I entered the contest and I won. And so, um, oh my God, I, how old were you at this time? I was, I think it was 15. I was 15 years old. When I mean, I was 16 when I went out to Hollywood for the first time, I won the contest. And uh, when I, by the time I was 17, after, after the trip, um, I got like a, like a full two page spread in the yearbook as a special effects artist. And, uh, you know, like, a, you know, like, like, as a, you know, like most talented, whatever. So in the, in my, the yearbook of my junior year, I had a big spread of my makeup work and, and gone to Hollywood. And so everybody knew that's what I wanted to do growing, you know, growing up. And um, so the minute I had the first chance to come out here, I ran out here, you know, I had back then we had pen pals. Like literally like pen pals where you would literally write uh, a letter to somebody. And um, it was, uh, um, how do I explain it? You know, it was very different than the internet today. And uh, did I lose you? I think I lost you. Did I lose you? I think it's. Hello? Are we there? Can you still hear me? <laughs> Are we good? Okay, I'm, we're still on. So, you know, I just basically um, packed all my stuff up in a, in a truck that my, um, my, my, my family bought me. And I drove out here with a, um, a friend of mine. And we came out here to chase the dream of being a special effects artist.
I'm kind of a little lost of what to do right now. Okay, Andrew says that's awesome. Uh, you know, uh, uh, just talk about more projects. Okay. Um, I don't even have no... <laughs> Okay, so, oh, you want to talk, we want me to talk about stuff that, that, that's coming up. Well, basically, right now, um, my partner and my husband, Steven Escobar, and I have, we own a franchise, it's called Terror, Terror Tunes, and we're uh, on the fourth um, installment of the franchise right now, Terror Tunes 4. And we're getting ready to have the world premiere uh, November the 11th here in Hollywood. You know, we started the franchise back in 2001 and it spawned uh, three sequels already. It's something I'm very, very proud of. And uh, if you're in Los Angeles and you want to come to the premiere, uh, it's going to be in North Hollywood at the Lemley 7. And, uh, you know, reach out to me on Facebook. And uh, if there's any seats left, uh, I'll be happy to put you on the guest list to come. I think we're at 80% capacity right now. So uh, we just have a little over two weeks left to go, but um, uh, uh, you know we'll be able to uh, uh, you'll be able to screen uh, Terror Tunes one, two, and three uh, on um, uh, Vimeo and uh, on iTunes on iTunes. So uh, you can just Google it and uh, uh, yeah, you can. They're they're kind of fun, kind of bloody but fun horror films. And Terror Tunes is basically um, a movie about killer cartoons. And it has kind of like a cartoon kind of vibe to it. If you like Adult Swim or you like, um, uh, which is the Itchy and Scratchy show on The Simpsons or any, uh, also uh, Ren, Ren and Stimpy, if you like Ren and Stimpy, it kind of has that vibe. And um, you know, each one of the, uh, the, 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 the sequels is different. I, I never try to make the same movie twice. So each one kind of has a different feel. And um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, uh, I've been a little bit of a loss here. <laughs> what inspired me to make terror tunes? That's a good question. Um, basically, I was driving up to a movie set uh, in early uh, 2000 with a friend of mine, and we were going to make a movie of the special effects for a film uh, for the Passion of, of the of Passion of the Christ, Passion of Christ, um, or the Christ Crucifixion, basically. And um, we were going to go put special effects on the actor who was playing Jesus Christ, where he was all going to be all like tore up and whatnot. And um, we were driving up to the set. And sure enough, we look at the um, rear, the bumper of a car and there was this like evil cartoon cat staring back at us. And it's like, I don't know how to explain it. And we were looking at the sticker and like literally instantly, I don't remember who said what, but one of us said, hey, you know, there's never been a movie, a horror film about evil cartoons that kill people, but like for real. And then well, the other one was like, yeah. And when they kill each other, when they when they kill you, they kill you with like giant cartoon weapons. Hey, can you hear me again? Yep, sure can. Yeah. <laughs> The technical difficulties are quick. Sorry. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah, but then you die for real, you know, in the in the in the terror tune. So it's definitely acquired taste, you know, the films, uh, and that we have a very like kind of like I don't know how to explain it. We have a very um, uh, specific audience, you know, that likes this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so, anyways, yeah. I have a question. Upon doing my research, um, I heard that Terror Tunes, the first one, took three days. You filmed three days, and it was $2,300, was it? Yes, yes, yes. What? 
Um, were the rest kind of like that, or was that just like? Yeah, that was just a, so. So when we made the first terror tunes, um, my husband and I had been on a movie set in Texas called Attack of the Bat Monsters, and the movie was about the making of a low-budget movie in the 1950s. And back in the 1950s, they would shoot a whole movie in like three or four days. It was very common. And they would shoot it with, with this thing called short ends, which is they shoot it on film and they'd have like leftover film from another movie and they'd put it all together and say, oh, look, we have 120 minutes worth of film. We could shoot like two takes if we didn't do it carefully and then we'll have enough film to make like a 75 minute movie, you know, oh, and then they would awesome. do it. See you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they would, shoot, they would shoot the whole movie in like two days or two or three days. So it had been done before. This is kind of like an old, old, you know, technique. And I was like, well, if they can do it, I can do it. You know, and uh, so basically everybody involved knew that we were going to shoot a movie in, in three days, you know, and I asked uh, my boss at the time for twenty five hundred. I, I budgeted out like I could feed everybody. You know, I could spend this much money on the props and this and that camera rental and whatnot. And we could spend about twenty five hundred dollars. I actually came in under budget. It was twenty three hundred dollars. Yeah. No way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like we had the whole thing. It was all about planning. You know, like mm -hmm. I, I knew what meal we were going to eat each day. We had uh, lasagna prepared and put it in the fridge, and we had baked chickens ready to go. All we had to do was pull them out and put them in the oven, this kind of thing. And um, uh, we shot the first day for 12 hours, the second day for 17 hours, and the third day was 25 hours. What? And, yeah. So we just shot, like, you know, and everybody went home and slept, and then they came back, and then we went right back at it. But And we would shoot one take, and if the take was good, then we would just move on to the next shot. We wouldn't shoot. <clears throat> you know, Check the gate. Yeah, yeah, and, th and then if they if they if we messed up the take, mm -hmm. we would go back and shoot the whole take again. We oh would only God. start from where they messed up, and we'd shoot it from a different angle. Oh so we and this is all on film. No, this was on this was on beta. This was on oh. beta. This was on beta. This was on beta. Be yeah, this is on beta. Uh, this was in two thousand. This is like when the, the 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 shot on video craze started, you know, and um. uh, and the Terratunes one was like the first one of the first uh, acquisitions through a blockbuster of a shot on video feature that was micro budget and it moved like 50,000 units in the first two weeks. So 50,000 units at $33, the $3, 33 cents. You can do the math. Oh, nice yeah. profit there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so back then you could make a movie for like, I, I th then I started making movies for like $5,000. Like I could shoot a whole movie for feature for $5,000. Lionsgate picked up my, my, my fourth feature. I shot it for $4,500 and it was called the Jackhammer Massacre. And, uh, you know, like someone like Lionsgate would pay like $80,000 up front for, for a film. So if you shoot it for five and then you, you get 80, that's a pretty good turnaround. You know, you can make good yeah. money. So, uh, but um, it was a different time, right? A different time and different technology and whatnot. And um, uh, I'm happy to have been able to experience that though with the blockbuster and the co mass copies and, you know, having my movie on the shelf next to Pirates of the Caribbean and being oh. able to actually make a... So cool. make a profit you know today it's very hard for filmmakers to make a profit because of the uh, streaming uh, well not so much this, just strictly the venues but because of the way the distributors operate and i think that luis was going to get to that about that yeah yeah no i definitely wanted to talk a little bit about that um but i do want to I, I i was i apologize uh that I, I had to i was trying to connect from my phone for a second and then i had lag and then i saw that sophia was was, was and yeah i know it happened to me too yeah you left you, and then maybe like maybe it was like yeah. I, I I was going to go do it out in the garage, you know, with the, <laughs> with the studio in the background, but I've had that same problem where it starts to jit, 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 stream, starts to, to lag yeah, and then yeah, it, yeah. then it, then it, then it, I freeze up. So I have, you know, yeah. 
Well, yeah, thank you so, though for dealing with us and oh, riffing yeah, no, all alone. You know, that's life. You know, you just gotta, yeah. you got, you gotta, you gotta, you know, that's, that's indie filmmaking. That's mm-hmm. indie filmmaking. You just gotta produce, you gotta keep going, <laughs> you know, because, so, uh, go ahead. No, can you talk a little, so, so from what I caught, so, so you, your father tells you never give up on your dreams. You, you start getting obsessed with films. You, you move out there. Um, you, you make the first movie, you know, Betamax, and then this is what it was like when I first moved out here. A friend of mine that's already out here goes, Hey, come out here. I have a movie that I want you to work on. So I got you, I got a job. You can make some money and you know, you'll, you'll be, you'll be good. We'll be good. We've got a team of people here. So we pack everything into a truck and we drive out there and I drive over to his door and I knock on the door knock, knock, knock. Hey, we're here. We're ready to work. Oh, the job fell through. We don't got any money for you. Oh, <laughs> what? That, that was my. That they was couldn't my, call you. That, that was my welcome to Hollywood. That was my welcome to Hollywood. Well, you couldn't get a text on the road. This was a long time ago. Uh, so, 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 so what did I do? I went to work at Universal Studios in the theme park, picking up cigarette butts. And it wasn't but like for like two or three weeks before I got a job on an independent film set, and made started making some decent money. But yeah. oh yeah, that's yeah, a good yeah, way in right there. Keep going, you know. Yeah. Just keep going, you know. What um what was the um uh, what was the transition to where you felt like after you got there you get the job you do the mer- when when did you start feeling like like you were doing what you were so you were you were supposed to be doing like you felt like uh, you were a full time artist and and you were and you were on it yeah that that happened like five years ago what yeah like literally it just had started happening like five years ago. Oh man, I, it, was it, that it, like uh, imposter syndrome or would just did you just feel you hadn't done enough or well. I, I, it took me a while until all this time, like I worked on many, many like other bigger films in the meantime, well before five years ago, but it wasn't until five years ago that I began to understand my true identity and worth in the business industry industry. When I started to surround myself with people who were actually telling me the truth. And when I started to surround myself with people who were telling me the truth, I realized things like, I'm overqualified sometimes. That's why I'm not getting the job or I am, they can't afford me. Then they know it. That's why they're not calling me or, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? It's like, they don't want to waste my time. Not, not the other script that my head tells me, you know, Oh, you're not good enough. You're not talented enough. It's it's not that. It's just that they, they, they they think that they, they, they they can't afford whatever it is. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't until I started surrounding myself with people that actually told me the truth that I'd really begin to feel like, Oh, this is, this is why this is where I am. You know, this is this is the place it's supposed to be. We really are our own worst critics, huh? Absolutely, yeah. So and you know, and I worked on all kinds of films before that. I worked on one of the Harry Potter movies back in 20, 2011, and that still wasn't good enough. I worked on uh, you know, Body Morph and Power Rangers, the movie and the TV series, that wasn't good enough. I worked on you know the Night of the Demons, that wasn't good enough. I worked on the sequel to the very first slasher movie ever made. 39 years later, which was Blood Feast 2, and that wasn't good enough. Yeah. You know, I had a successful movie franchise that, you know, made a, made, this, made a considerable amount of money for what it was. And that wasn't good enough. None of these things were never enough until I was, you know, you know, until I was ready to to be to receive the the, the gifts. Yeah, and what you mean is it wasn't good enough for you, right? Yeah, to yeah, you. Good, but yeah, you were doing, yeah, yeah it's all... Yeah. Perspective, perspective, you know. Yeah, my it's all perspective. perspective. Yeah, what is it called? A, a new new pair of glasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get you a new pair of glasses to look at the world around you, and then you realize, oh, you know, yeah, this is this is right. This is the right way to go. Yeah, and now you what know are, that you're the shit. <laughs> <laughs> people, well, people tell me that. You know, I don't have to. You know, people tell me that, and they, 
they 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 want nothing from me. That's know? why, Joe. Look at that. Oh yeah, my people, gosh. People tell me so uh, that that thing was probably uh, I think that thing weighed like three hundred pounds. There's from the original Terror Tunes. The, the, see see that curtain with that that see that curtain right there. Yeah. He's doing, he's doing a magic show and he's getting ready to saw this girl in half with a giant cartoon saw. And that is shot in someone's garage. And, and, and he comes out from behind that curtain and behind that curtain's literally against the wall. So he's just standing next to the wall and he comes out behind the curtain. You know, there's no stage there. It looks like you're on a there stage. There you go. Yeah. You, yeah, know, I mean, you gotta, you gotta do stuff. it. Yeah, exactly. You, you should, you gotta uh, shoot a movie. Yeah. There's, there's, there's <laughs> the yeah. junior husband, right? I met him yeah, as well. Yeah. 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 He's super. And then, um, I, man. I just let uh, I just let Ian know that we were live. He said, "Oh, he did. You did some of the monsters for uh, Sincerely Saul." Yes, and uh, yes, I did some. Yeah, I can't wait to show show everybody the stuff I I did for Ian. Some really cool stuff. Now, that's uh, the, the premiere, Pretty Boy, uh, which was a uh, Marcel Waltz's new movie. Uh, one of the, a talented young director. I get to work with that. I get to work with so many amazing directors: Matthew Vanaha, Justin Seaman, uh, Shane Bradford, who's in Texas, uh, Marcel Waltz. Um, Ian Trip and um, just just on and on and on and on and on and on, you know. Uh, but Lou uh, Martinez, uh, who played Lucha Maximus Supreme, in that, in that, in that. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yes, that was great. Yeah, you uh, were. You, you were. Yeah, I, I was inspired to watch you work because that you know, was one of my first. Act- I just started. Sorry. Uh-oh. I just Uh-oh. I just started acting like two years ago, so it's good to be around like young people that are inspired and you know, doing their thing and, 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 and basically, you know, crafting their, their stick, you know, you can see that. And, uh, uh, we need, we need, we need more Latinos like that. We need people that are, you know, these big positive influence role models to step up and say, do it, just do it. You know, you absolutely. Can do man. You can do this. And do that's it. kind of, uh, the reason behind, uh, Mi Gente show is we're, you know, two Latinos and a microphone, but obviously the reason we started doing interviews is because we want to spot spotlight, uh, Latino creatives, etc. So when we started doing that, I, I definitely had you down as one of the people. Cause like, I was, uh, awesome to meet you. And then I was like, well, this guy's kind of a, kind of a big deal. We need a, we need a, we need to definitely have you on. Um, one of the things that we've talked about with horror people before, especially with like Miguel uh, from, I don't know if you've known it, Miguel from Horrible Imaginings Film Festival uh, here in San Diego, is that, you know, there's a lot of horror that comes from like South America, Mexico, mm-hmm. from places, and um, uh, Eurasia, stuff like that. And it's sort of a, a counterbalance to the horrors and the, the the things that are happening in the culture there, you know? Right. Um, and um, do you think that, that that the that the um, that the gay element has some something like that do you think that there's such because i mean like there's there's brazilian horror there's colombian horror there's mexican mm-hmm. horror movies do you think there's such a genre as like a like a gay horror inspired sort of genre you know i i i i, I don't know i i think i think there there could be if it was really looked into but ultimately when you you know just being even the word gay means happy you know it's just like right anything about it is like kind of silly or fun or you think of bright colors you think of you know but you know the absolutely there's a there's a there's a dark side to you know to i i'll be honest with you i mean i've worked with some pretty pretty twisted uh um uh gay producers you know as was it worse than a bad producer a gay bad producer you know they're just you know some pretty twisted guys out there and um 
you know, but I think that goes that's that goes without saying in any in industry. But ultimately, I mean, I think if we we looked at it and everything, you could apply the same the same you know dark tone to any so like even a heterosexual relationship into a gay one, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I've never really really thought about it to be honest with you. Yeah. You know? Well, uh, yeah, more of like. I was thinking more of along the lines of like if if some of the issues that you dealt with as a as a gay man in that in that time frame mm-hmm. sort of gave you these you know sort of brought yeah, up some lit. of these themes yeah know. yeah yeah that that's a good that's a good uh, way to look at it. yeah yeah no okay I, can you uh, t- go ahead go ahead go ahead uh, I I know well, now that you said that I understand what you're talking about and I I mean I but I really don't think of it so much as like a gay thing maybe yes being a, a like a, a gay young man. In South Texas, there were some horrors that I would, I would probably bring into something that could be horrific, you know, maybe you know even slasher-like. But uh, yeah, no, I, I understand what you're talking about. What about this? Uh, th- 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 this is this is on the street in uh, in Hollywood. Uh, that was uh, 2007, and uh, yeah, yeah. I said I like to get dressed up at like noon. I was telling Louis, I like I like to get dressed up at like in the like like in the afternoon and go out. I mean, you go out at night, no one can see you. You know, that's true. You, know, you made the, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, my yeah. gosh! Do you make your own Halloween costumes? Do I make my own Halloween costumes? Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I was telling Luis that I, uh, I literally had to take a shower and throw away a pair of socks and a shirt before I got on the show tonight because I was working on my Halloween costume and something I did. <laughs> oh my I just, god! I like, destroyed what I was wearing, you know. So uh, yeah, no, uh, it's it's a big deal. It's a big deal. This is last year. This is my husband mm-hmm. and I. This is at Madame Tussauds. It's a uh, so it's a fundraising event. If you're in Hollywood or you're up in LA, uh, this coming weekend, the 29th, uh, 7 p.m. at Madame Tussauds, is a St. Jude Children's Research uh, Hospital and charity event, and it's called Hall- Hall- Halloween Hotness. And everybody in the independent oh, yeah. film community is going to be there. So if you, if you get a chance to come, you know, uh, uh, I don't know if they still have tickets or whatnot, but it's a, it's a kind of a big deal, and everybody's there, yeah. and they got food and everything. Oh, it's all donated awesome. and. It's great. It's red car- everybody's on the red carpet and everybody's dressed up. And oh, course, you every- everybody's trying to. That. Yeah, everybody's trying. To- yeah, every- are you are you here in LA? Well, no, San Diego, close enough. Oh, is it- okay, yeah, you should come. Away. You yeah. should come because um, I mean, everybody's going to be like literally everybody will be there. You'll, I think they're giving Doug Jones, uh, Doug Jones, the the man that was in the creature shoot from Pan's mm-hmm. Labyrinth and Shape of Water. He's getting a Shape of Water. Uh, like a, yeah, yeah. They're, they're going to give him an award. He was there last year just as a you know a participant, but uh, he's super sweet man. Super nice guy, very very uh, personal. You can go up to him, say hello to him, and to chat with him. But uh, he's definitely one of us, one of the good ones. Oh, that's awesome. Um, back to your to the costume. Did you make the horns? Yes, I make everything. I don't. I, and I never wear the same thing twice. So you what, know, of course, it's like so. It's not like, like, so, like the, 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 uh, I had a, uh, last year. Uh, this uh, this young young man uh, who owns a uh, gym. He owns like a, a workout gym and. Um, he uh, he hired me to make his Halloween costume. Said you know, called me. It's like, like like three minutes before, not three minutes, like three days before Halloween. And he said, uh, Joe, will you make my Halloween costume for me? And I'm like, okay, what do you want to do? And I showed him you know some ideas, and he wanted to do something pretty elaborate. And I said, okay, let me let me call my bosses and see if I can just like not go into the work for the next three days and make your costume. And I called my boss and they're like, yeah, go for it, dude. This is me when I won the trip to Hollywood. I'm like I'm like 15 or 16 years old there. And that creature I'm standing with is the final creature in the movie Troll. Have you ever seen the movie Troll? It's a movie from the 80s, super famous movie from the 80s. They made Troll 2. I think they've done even Troll 4. Anyways, the John Carr Beekler, a very famous special effects artist and director, made this creature. I'm in his studio there, and he, there I am getting my picture taken with it. So 
you know, that was a life-changing event there. Yeah. You know, and even the uh, shirt I'm wearing, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Even the shirt, what? Even the shirt I'm wearing in that, that picture is, uh, is a t-shirt from the movie set of the reanimator. Have you ever seen the original reanimator movie? Brian, yes. Yeah. That, that, that is a prop from, um, from the reanimator. It says Miskatonic university on it. It's, uh, the t-shirts that were printed up as props for the people in the movie. And that's, oh the, that's, God. that's me airbrushing myself when I had a waistline. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, my, yeah. 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 yeah that, that, no, that, 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 go ahead. No, the, 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 you, you've had like, you know, you, you're, we're seeing pictures here from 2005. Yeah. This, from, yeah, this, yeah. Yeah. This from different seasons. I mean, yeah, yeah. um, I, I I don't know. So, I mean, I do some crazy stuff like that now too. A little different, but yeah, it's still crazy. You know, I mean, if you're going to do it and you know, it's like, get after it, right? Get, yeah. Come on now. I mean, yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, I want, I want to, I, I want to make it memorable. I want to be untouchable. I want to be, you know, I want to make it, uh, you only live once, you know, or you only, yeah, you, you, yeah, you live one day at a time, you know, you live every day, you live one just go you know, go for it do it yeah, here's here i am on the set of uh that's a giant puppet creature from a movie that my partner my husband and i directed produced called xenophobia and um it's about xenophobia used to mean the fear of aliens did it uh, oh, yeah that, that, it, that was like the primary uh, uh definition if you if you google the word xenophobia mm -hmm. it meant the fear of aliens or fear of the unknown of course you know after the climate of the world it now yeah. means the fear of foreigners yeah. Or an, yeah. an illegal alien, an alien, you know, whatever to your country. But that's mm -hmm. what then uh, I always wanted to make a movie called Xenophobia, just so have it kind of all, you know, everything changed right after we made the film and uh, the meaning meant something different, you know. Do it. Uh, Do you meaning. prefer working in like sci fi special effects sci -sci or, or more like gore? Sci fi horror, I think. Yeah. I mean, I love blood, but it, it, it's, it's not really scary anymore and everybody can kind of do it. And, you know, it's kind of cheap if you don't do it correctly. And mm -hmm. so, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Joe, um, we're live with uh, Joe Castro FX master. Uh, and we're, we're, we're talking with him. We're going to bring on um, our next guest, Andrew Hara here in a couple of minutes, but I want to finish up with Joe here. Uh, Cause I do still have a couple of questions here, uh, Joe. Um, but um, in regards to, and here's a couple of practical questions for you. What is your, what do you think is the most underrated uh, practical item for an FX artist to use or have? You know, is it just tons of latex? Is it tons of fake blood? Is there, is there something else? Uh, gauze? What is, what is the, what is like the, the first item you grab or the first thing you use when you, when you start to create an effect? Hmm, that's a good, that's a good question. Well, it really depends. I mean, it depends what, 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 what we're talking about. And also, you know, things have changed over the years, you know, you know, back in the eighties, it was foam latex and rubber. And as we move into the nineties and the two thousands, all this, there's all kinds of new technology, you know, and now I only use silicone, you know, I use silicone for everything. I don't even like to make rubber masks anymore. I make them out of silicone. So, you know, um, you know, I always start with something, you know, I, you know, as far as like an, an, a material, even the silicones themselves have changed in the past 10 years, 15 years. So, so you've uh, adapted, you haven't like gotten yeah. stuck, like, oh, I only use this or I only yeah, use no, that. You've sort yeah. of like adapted with it, right? Yeah. Well, when, once you move forward and the, the, the results are so amazing, there's no reason to move backwards, you mm -hmm. know, and, uh, that um, and then here, yeah. and then another thing I wanted to touch base on because, um, in uh actually uh 
I want to bring Andrew on for this because he's an independent filmmaker. Sure. Uh, and then we'll we'll do it. We'll do a transition. But hey, Andrew Hara. Welcome, hey, welcome. what's going on? Hey, Andrew. Have you been enjoying listening to the chat? Yeah, it was it was uh, funny because Joe was telling this story, you know, about growing up. It was a beautiful story, but I was looking at his website and it's just like dead bodies and like head. <laughs> and it was like my dad always told me to pursue my dream, and there's like half of a face just staring at me. <laughs> <laughs> Nice, nice, nice. Um, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you uh, that I wanted to uh, that I wanted to ask uh, Joe about is um, because some of the things that we deal with is on an indie film level, and I know that FX artists have to deal with with an indie film level is people that want them to work for free, you know, or that don't understand what the cost of a special yeah. effects is, right? Um, as an indie filmmaker at this level, you're also the producer if you're the director and the writer for the most level. So even though I've gotten a chance to collaborate with, with, with makeup artists in the past, the way I've always approached them is um, in terms of being more collaborative as a, because I always think there's a difference between collaboration and getting somebody to work with you from free. When you collaborate with somebody, you have to give up some of the power. So if you want to collaborate with a makeup artist, then instead of saying, Hey, can you cut this guy's arm off in a movie? I would be like, Hey, is there a, is there a, is there something that you would want to do? that you haven't done yet that you're like, Hey, I really want to disembowel somebody. And then you tell me, and I'm like, cool, I'll work that disembowelment into my film. If yeah. it's going to be, is it, is, 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 am I on the right track with something like that in, in the way that any filmmaker should approach that? Um, well, I mean, okay. This is here. You're asking me my, my personal take on working with producers in the micro budget world, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Well, th th here, here's, here's my, here's, here's in, in a nutshell. I don't, Yes, I'm concerned about the budget of the film and the quality of the film, but ultimately it doesn't matter what it is. My work still has to look amazing no matter what it is. Mm -hmm. And in order for that to happen, there are like laws of nature. There's like physics going on here. I have to use this material. I have to take this much time to do it. I need the actor. I need to have this technician to help me. I have to use this kind of makeup and this costs money. You know, today, to Lily, today I went to buy some materials for, for this year's Halloween costume. It has literally tripled in the past three years because I use silicone, which is a petroleum-based product. And the silicone, the price of gasoline has gone up three times the amount, right? Mm -hmm. So literally, my the silicone went from being like $300 for a five-gallon drum to $1,000 for a five-gallon drum. I just paid $1,000 today for, for a five-gallon drum of silicone. Just the silicone. That doesn't have to do with the tint that goes in it, the cups that I mix it with, the catalyst that actually kicks it, or the plaster that I make the mold with, or the foam that goes inside the silicone. None of that. Whoa. It's just the silicone. So when you're working with a with a te technician, just know that the materials have severely gotten expensive. You know. Mm -hmm. and, so as uh, much yeah. as somebody might want to work with you, and as somebody somebody might want to believe in the product, there's still a baseline to cost that can't yeah. be can't be overcome right that's right that's right you know i mean let's put it this way there's a lot of young people out there they're willing to invest their own time and their own money into getting their name you know they, you know out you know on a film or whatever but then you also have experience that goes with that just because they want to spend their own money doesn't mean they're going to give you exactly what you need you may be content with what they got but you won't get everything else that comes with having someone with 40 years experience has you know, I know how to light it. I know how I know, you know, all kinds of stuff that comes with just making the effect, you know, so because 
And the reason I was asking you that is because, and I'll do this, you know, live as they say. Um, but like, for example, like I've met you and I think you're, you know, obviously you're brilliant. You're, you're iconic. And we're going to do a, a sci-fi comedy uh, to our first, to one of our, to one of our films called alien story. And I, and this is, and I had this idea before, like I knew what I want to do, but I, but I, there's a character in the movie that it's because there's a war between man and, and this other planet of aliens that, that look like us. Um, but there's this guy that that's supposed to be doing a YouTube show called My Alien Autopsy. And I had an idea for him to be like dissecting and opening up an alien. You know mm. what I mean? So when I after I had met you, I was like, once we started the equity funding and the crowdfunding, it would be cool to build in something like that as like, hey, and we want to get this FX person to do this cool effect because we want to mm. we want to do an alien autopsy like that. Yeah. So yeah. what's the appropriate way to approach somebody in, in one of those scenarios, right? It, yeah. You have to get them to buy into the story and you also have to meet that baseline so that mm-hmm. you can either raise money for it or so that you can mm-hmm. get them to buy it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're going to have a, a come to someone like myself with a, with an idea of, of doing something that's going to be amazing, you know, and, and it's going to be very intricate and detailed and you want to wow the audiences of 2023. I mean, just right. think about how hard it's going to be to please someone in 2024, <laughs> you know, yeah. you got, you know, so you, you have to go all out. If you want to play with the big boys, you need, you need, you need, need to look, look, needs to look like the big boys play. If you, you want know? something like that, you gotta, you gotta. Yeah. Yeah. This man right here hired me to, he, he, that wasn't even a prop for a movie. He just wanted me to build him a fake head for his own collection. And, uh, <laughs> and so I was at a, I was at a, a horror convention in Texas and he was there and I said, uh, come up to the hotel room and I'll cast your face. And then I built it and mailed it to him. But that's one of my favorite projects right there, you know. But but but, but everything, even the shape of the beard, his eyebrows, the eyelids, his, his, oh everything, the, the eyelashes. Can, can you see that he's got like a like a gray around his eyes and his gray around his eyes in the picture and there, all of that, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Even 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 he's even got ashy kind of curly hair. It's mm-hmm. very hard to find ashy colored, uh, a curly hair like that. It's synthetic, you know. I could go and cut it off his head and glue it on the thing, but I'm just saying all that stuff is money. Wow. It takes time yeah. and that's intricate detail. Some people, they're just getting the technique of how to make a life cast. You know, if they can get mm-hmm. past that, they're doing good. I'm way beyond. I'm looking at all kinds of details. They're far beyond that when it comes to my work, you know? There's you know, uh, a. There's zero chance he didn't have sex with that though. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say something so I'm like the elephant. Right. Right. He, 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 he's actually a, a friend of mine, and uh, we we have a big group of friends, and they're like, "Joe, Joe, take one picture, just one picture." And I'm like, "No, no, 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 no." <laughs> so, he's like, "I've always wanted yeah. to see what this is about, huh?" Um, <laughs> Uh, and then the the, um, the the one other thing that I wanted to touch base with you on, and, and thank you very much for for stopping by tonight and and telling us about your life and 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 apologize for the the lagging earlier. No worries, uh, no worries. But um, you're also an advocate for indie filmmakers. Uh, I joined a group that you have on Facebook, which is basically where people can go share either uh, stories, horror stories, or contracts that they've gotten with indie and mid-level distributors that have then gotten like that 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 fucked them over, or sort of to sort of have like a, a real place where where filmmakers can go. Um, what do you think? Uh, and, and sort of talk amongst each other about different distributors. What What do you think the 
the main issue is, uh, or, or is it just that the there's an industry built on the backs of indie filmmakers that they want to rip off? Or what do you think the major disconnect is between the filmmakers and then these distribution companies? That's a great question. And I want to start off by saying, if you're an independent filmmaker, it's like you know, Andrew and myself, or you make independent content that you want to sell and distribute, you need to come to a group. It's called Movie Distributors to Stay Away From and Why. Oh. Google the title of the group. You can find it publicly, but you have to answer all four membership questions in order to join our group. I, there's no exceptions. If I see three of the questions answered, decline. I don't even bother because we're that serious about the group. The group has a lot of amazing information in it. And it's a group where we share actual firsthand experiences that filmmakers have with, with these uh, these uh, like like low bottom feeder distributors basically are these actually they're popular distributors but they're considered low bottom distributors and um and the reason why they're low bottom is because they're they're basically pickpockets they're crooks they're crooks and um what the, the what, this disconnect you're talking about has happened slowly over many years they've become cunning and they become skillful at what they do you know back when i started making movies um, I made my first movie for $75,000 and we shot it on film and Blockbuster Home Video paid my producer $150,000 just to pick it up for like four months, I think, or something like that. Mm -hmm. And that was just Blockbuster. And then he sold it to all the different countries, the UK and France. And he got, you know, 30,000 here and 50,000 there. And so he made back his, all of his money. You know, it was easy to do that back in the day. So what the distributors started to do was every year and filmmakers don't know this, but every year, all the distributors get together in Las Vegas at one hotel and they have their own little convention privately. And what do they do at this convention? They all get together and they talk about how they're going to screw the independent filmmaker over. And they all get together and they say, okay, no one offer anybody any more money than $1,500 this year. No one do it. If you do it, then we'll all be screwed. And they all stick to their guns and they don't offer any more than that. And then that's all that they offer. And then, you know, then they find other ways to screw you over at the end. It used to be they'd give you like 40,000, 50,000 up front, you know, and then they went to 40,000. And sure enough, they, by the time, back in like 20, 20, uh, 2010, it was like 5,000. And then it was like 1500 Now they're like, oh, no, we don't give any money up front now. You get money on the other end, and then they just rip you off. So this has been a slow drip, drip of information. But they ultimately, all these distributors get together, and they, they, um, they have a plan, a plan of attack. So they collusion. Doing. Yeah, they have a plan of attack. And people don't know this. It's called um, – what's the name of the convention, Steve? I think it's called um, – I think it was. Fuck over indie filmmakers? Yeah. It, 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 it happens at the same weekend the Consumer Electronics Show happens in Las Vegas. They go there for the Consumer Electronics Show and they have their own mini convention. Anyways, and, uh, and that's just a basic fact. Uh, you know, not many people know about it, but that's exactly what goes on. So ultimately, all these distributors are operating the same way. They're all operating the same way. People are saying, well, why don't you put together a list of good distributors? There are no good distributors. If you allow them to screw you over, they will do it. Mm -hmm. And that's just the way it is. Um, you know, people say things like, that's a standard contract. Of course, it's a standard contract. It's a standard contract for ripping you off. <laughs> they, don't, they, don't, they don't realize that's exactly what they're saying. Really saying. It's a standard that, bend you over yeah, contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's a standard rip you off contract. Of course, it's mm -hmm. standard. Standard for them. But it's not. And if anybody would just take a little bit of time to look at it, they realize that what they're asking you to sign is completely unrealistic, completely 
in-app for you to make a profit from it. And some of these filmmakers, you know, they're just like trusting or they heard, they saw this company's label on some movie that they liked or, you know, that their sweet talk. People are like, oh, they've been so nice to us the whole time they've been talking to us. Of course they are. So is a used car salesman. You know, so is a, a crook right before they pickpocket you and rob you blind, right? They talk to you, they get close to you, they buy you a drink, you get drunk, and then they reach around and they take your wallet. Or you go to the bathroom and they steal out of your purse. That's exactly what these companies are doing. They're just they're just basically pickpockets. And it's legal, you know. It, it's legal because you know they, they 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 there's no one policing them. There's no one stopping them. There's no one saying this is wrong. And uh, not only is what they're doing basically highway robbery, it's also I immoral. You know, what they're doing is immoral. They have no morals. And, um, you know, and when we're as artists, we're not really we're not really like programmed to think like that. You know, which is an amazing movie. Have you, you know? have you gotten pushback, though, from the industry for that, for being outspoken about it? Have you or, or are you pretty much at a level where you where you don't have to worry about that? I, 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 let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. They're terrified of me. The, the, uh -huh. the, the, they're, they're literally terrified of me. They're constantly trying to infiltrate the group. And they can't. They can't do it because uh, my husband is uh, studying, studying law. And we have a couple lawyers in the group. And, um, you know, we have a right to, um, to, uh, to gather. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a, it's a basic, uh, basic law of the United States of America. It's like unionizing. Yeah. <laughs> sort of. we, we, we have a right to gather and we have a right to discuss. Especially in a private group. If you don't like the private group, you can leave. You can walk right out the door. No one's holding a gun to your head. We can talk about whatever we want in the group. We can say whatever we want, and you're allowed to leave. And they know this. So anything that's said in the group about them, they can't do anything about it because it's a private mm -hmm. group. Thank God. God bless America. We have some yeah. amazing. We have some amazing laws. You know, we're able to do that. And these uh, these distributors are trying very hard to, to stop our group. Just today, just today, someone came to me on a direct message. And he said, um, he said to me, hey, Joe, we, we have a list in the group. Uh, if, you, if you go to the group and you come to the group, the very first thing you want to do is find uh, a meme in the group. It's at the top of the group. It says the top worst distributors to stay away from. And then it has everybody's uh, logo on it. And um, at the bottom of it, it says this list has, has been compiled by the experiences of independent filmmakers. And someone came to me today in direct message, a total stranger. Hey, Joe, I'm not, I don't have any agenda here. <laughs> the first thing he says, mm -hmm. which means he has an agenda. Mm -hmm. I don't have any agenda here, but I want to know how you compiled this list. What, you know, I knew what list he was talking about, yeah. but it clearly says how it was compiled. So he already, his name was uh, Max Candy. Ooh. Yeah. Who, 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 who names himself Max? Say his Candy. name, yeah. Max Candy. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> hey, Max Candy. Anyways, yeah, that's a real name. I said, I, I didn't. I said, first of all, your 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 name isn't even real, and I don't I don't talk mm -hmm. to people who are dishonest. And I said, and I, and I also don't take information out of the group and share it in a public setting because I'm protected by the laws of the United States. I can talk about whatever I want. And he was trying to get me to talk smack about these people and break the rules. And he was trying to get me to do something that I, I wasn't going to do. You know, they're constantly trying to find a way to stop the group. It started from the, the very day one. Um, and I believe that the information is getting out there. A lot of independent filmmakers send me direct messages 
and say things like, thank you, Joe, for the group. I learned more in one day from scrolling through the group wall than I've known my entire career of independent filmmaking. And there's a lot of great information there. We have information about like, you know, signs, what to watch out for, uh, you know, what to what to look out for when a distributor is like, you know, basically, you know, baiting you, you know, misleading you. You know, like uh, a distributor will net will will shower you with compliments, and the minute you give them your film, you'll never hear from them. It'll be hard to actually contact them. Or you know, a distributor will charge you like two thousand dollars to have your movie poster made to go into Walmart. What you don't know is that someone in the office made it and they paid them an hourly rate for it, like oh. hundred bucks. They kept two the rest nineteen hundred for themselves. You know, that's exactly how it goes down. Yeah, no, I, 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 I have scrolled through the group and I've seen some stuff and I've seen people sharing horror stories about, you know, distributors that just fake numbers and make you think, oh, that movie didn't sell me well. I moved like thousands of units or you, I see my movie everywhere. I see my yeah. movie at Walmart yeah. and Best yeah. Buy, but I'm not seeing any money. Let me just give you like a little, a little, a little, go ahead, go ahead. A, a little thing. This day and age, it's easier for anybody to make money through a streaming service there are so many how many new streaming services do you hear about every day opening up every every week there's one there's a new one every week why because they're successful there are 4500 walmarts in america if every walmart in america contained one of your one copy of your movie just one just sold the one for 9.95 whatever 12.95 is about it goes so the reason why they charge 12.95 because it costs two dollars and 95 cents to actually press the film on DVD, make the copy, put it in the container and ship it to the store. So they're literally making $10 on each unit. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If they sold two copies of your movie in each store, 4,500, that's over $90,000. That's just from Walmart, mm -hmm. you know? And that's just like, 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 like that, that, that'll happen. Like, like hands down. If people grab, grab stuff, they want to see something new, you know, that happens all the time. It's, it's just, uh, they, they, they would not pick up a movie if they didn't believe they were going to make a profit from it. They don't have to. They know exactly how they know on the average about how much they're going to make. And then even if they don't sell copies, what they'll do is they'll take the copies and then they'll sell them to the dollar store. So they'll make they'll 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 they won't even lose a profit on the printing. They'll just you know what I'm saying? Like they'll they'll still make back and everything that they sold, they are they made a profit on. So they won't lose it, not even a penny, not even one penny. They already have the whole thing done masterfully. Yeah. It is a treacherous land to travel for independent filmmakers, uh, especially at this indie level. So I'm trying uh, to get everybody, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get everybody together so we can all like have a plan. And if we stick to it, like they do to us, we'll be able to make some real change, mm -hmm. but there's always some, you know, there's a new sucker born every day and they yeah. know it. There's someone. And there's somebody that's going to just look at the bright lights, look at the contract, look at yeah, the name, exactly. and be like, "Yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah." Where do I sign? Oh, you're going to take yeah. my movie? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, one last question for you, Joe. Just wanted to get your what? What do you? What is your feeling about like the modern state of horror? And for example, we talked a little bit about a movie like Terrifier. Uh -huh. um, you know, movies mm -hmm. that get that get um, promoted as. I, I took a date and she was throwing up in the aisle, and I saw three people pass out. It was so horrible. Um, are you are you a big fan of those types of films, or what? What what have you seen that's not yours over the last couple of years that you're like, this is my franchise, or this is these are the kind of horror movies that are out now that I'm a big fan of. Yeah, you know, I, I you know I've become a softer in my old age. You know, I, mean, <laughs> I I I just saw a movie. Uh, it's called Kill Her, 
and it's directed by uh, 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 Robin August. And I saw it at Screenfest here. And um, it's an amazing film. It's a really good, it's, a, it's entertainment from beginning to end. It's not, it doesn't have a long running time. It doesn't have gratuitous, gratuitous, gratuitous amounts of blood to entertain you with. It has an amazing story. It has just enough, the performances are solid. You know, and, and I go for something like that. You know, it's got like a really edgy kind of cut to it. The director is a music video producer and director. So it kind of has this like uh, Charlie's Angels meets Friday the 13th vibe. You know, it's like, you know, you know it's kind of fun, right? I like a little fun with my, my slasher now. And then, you know, but then, of course, there's, there's a really dark stuff. Um, it's been a while since I've seen a really good dark horror film, It's been to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, most okay. of the stuff today is... How can I put it? It's it's a it's a Xerox of something that was done so long ago that it tastes mm-hmm. stale, you know. So, so add one killer clown, add some supernatural <laughs> elements, skin somebody alive, yeah. throw bleach on them, see, and then yeah. Print. I see another another horror film with someone that has like a a homemade scary mask on running after somebody. I'm like, <laughs> kill me already! Mm-hmm. I, I saw a meme where someone said. What what the news said, and then what what actually happened? You know, people were saying, "Oh, uh, yeah, the audience was throwing up in the theater." And then the the what really happened was, the person said, "I threw up because I needed to go to the bathroom, and I the movie was so long, I was so bored, I threw up in the theater instead of going, oh, well, something like that." I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you know, hey, there is no such thing as a good movie or a bad movie. It either entertains the person who's watching it or it doesn't. You know that then that's it's art. You know it's all it's all subjective. So and I'm I'm happy that Terrifier Two is getting such a great response. It means that independent films hopefully will make a bigger comeback and we'll have more of a chance of having our movie shown in a movie theater. So kudos to the filmmakers and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, there's a movie called Mutilator Two, which is the oh. sequel to a very uh, cult film that was made back in 1984 called The Mutilator. If you've never seen it, it's a good Halloween movie. Anyways, I just got a chance to do the special effects for the sequel 36 years later. And hopefully I'll get a theatrical release like Terrifier 2 and uh, we'll all be able to get to see it in a movie theater. Oh, that's exciting. Is that your next project or your current project? It's, it's already done. It's in the camera. Oh. We shot it, we shot it in June, June and it was a, one of the biggest projects of my career. And they gave me three months to prepare with the, they gave me a credit card and they gave me, a, you know, an assistant and they, they said, go, 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 do whatever you want, Joe. And I just, yeah, just pretty amazing stuff. Oh, that's awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Well, Joe, um, I wanted to thank you once again. It was a pleasure to meet you in person. It's a pleasure to have, be able to have this extended chat with you. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm glad you took the time to join us today. Uh, we uh, put the link to Joe Castro FX in the chat. Uh, go check him out. Um, come with a check if you want him to work on your movie. Uh, join, <laughs> or a join credit his group. card. Join, join his group to find out about distribution and um, and hopefully uh, if you have other stuff to promote or, or you know, when you have time, you know, you can come back and we can talk more about, you know, your efforts and stuff like that. But we wish you the best of luck. And, and we want to thank you again for, for coming yeah. on uh, me and yeah. the show. Absolutely. Thank you for your time. Absolutely. And Andrew, uh, Luis and Sophia, if you ever up in L.A., please reach out to me in advance so we can get together and have coffee Yay. and talk shop and, you know, start a conversation. Let's make a movie. I, we, we can make it happen. And uh, if you want me to uh, to be a part of your project, it would be my honor. Oh, so, yeah, like that would be awesome. Trust me. If if I if I get to dissect the alien like I want, you're like I I always subscribe to the theory of ask the prettiest girl out first because you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> That's so right. It's like, That's right. Step That's one. Right. 
talk to Joe, and then after that, then I'll go to step two. But definitely, definitely, yeah. we're gonna ask the prettiest girl out first, Joe. So you can, you can, you can. <laughs> thank you very much for being a part of the show, man. Thank you. Right on. Much. Happy thank Halloween, you, everybody. Happy Halloween. Halloween. All right. Be good. Yeah, happy right. Halloween. Bye bye. All right. Take bye. it easy, Joe. Bye. All right. We had Joe Lovely. Castro, Lovely. FX master. Yes. Andrew, what'd you think? Yeah, that was, he was cool. Yeah, it was, it was cool to hear his perspective on things, you know? Yeah. Andrew, thank you yeah. so much for helping him riff off as well. I saw the chat and you were asking him questions. Yeah, yeah. yeah I didn't know if there was anyone else he could see. So, and he kind of like, he didn't know what to do. So I was like, well, let me see if I yeah. can at least, if you can see my chat. Boys riffing. <laughs> Yeah, the show must go on. I was like, my God, right now, both me and Sophia's internet starts to take a shit. And, uh, I know. Yeah, that has never yeah. happened. Both of us at the same time, we usually, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. maybe it was a Chula Vista San, San Diego thing. All right. Okay. Uh, so moving right along, we have Mr. Andrew Hara, uh, indie filmmaker that was part of the San Diego Latino Film Festival last year. I saw his movie. He has allowed us to play one of his movies right now. So I'm going to do a quick costume change. This is a short three-minute uh, movie <laughs> called uh, Our Millennials Killing Freddy that we screened at the festival last year. So I'm going to pl- I'm gonna put that on full screen, play that for everybody, and then we're going to come back a- and talk to Andrew and finish up the show. All right? I've done my wardrobe change. I've, ta- I've taken off. <laughs> I took off my Nick Cage costume. <laughs> oh, man. It's not even yeah. not committed. Not over. I don't know why... That's all right. But I double down on the skeleton. Yeah. <laughs> double yeah. down on the and skeleton. And the pumpkins and everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. ready. I love yeah. Halloween. She definitely committed. Committed. You know, that was another um, question I should have asked Joe is why do queer people like myself and like himself love Halloween so much? Because <laughs> boy, do I. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe. Well, I think it's that weird thing where like, well, at least in my family and everyone I know, like if you if I walked into my grandma's house right now and I said I just saw a ghost, she wouldn't say like ghosts aren't real. She'd be like, "Well, what was he doing?" You know, like mm-hmm. there's that automatic belief in the supernatural. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, well, <laughs> was it? You know, like it's just like I don't know. I think it's just the way we're we're brought up that believing in supernatural stuff isn't that weird. You know, that's true. Yeah, yeah. You're I Latino, guess that would be right? more like a Latino thing, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. definitely. Latino. Well, I know it's Mexican. I don't know about. Uh, all I know is the Mexicans on our side do it. I don't know about. because oh, yeah. I don't even know um, how far the other little smartphones goes. Like, does it go? Do I, I think Puerto it goes Ricans, to like Cubans celebrate. Oh, you mean like country? Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, I always see? thought it was just a Mexican thing. I don't and know. that's what I thought too. Like, I thought that La Llorona was completely Latino, but I think it's more just Mexican. And then, like, everyone else has their own version, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like in Kukui and other stuff mm-hmm. like that. Chupacabra, yeah. Yeah. Chupacabra. Uh, yeah. Well, and um, this is the first year that I'm actually going to celebrate Dia de los Muertos. I'm going to do an ofrenda for the first time. And I was kind yeah. of like, at first I was wondering if it was kind of a strictly Mexican thing. But I think... Latinos and Southern California is kind of like a thing already. So I don't feel like there's a reason that you shouldn't do it if you're not Mexican, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I don't think there's any custom that Mexicans will gatekeep from other Latinos. I just yeah. think, uh, I just wonder like if I go into like talk to a Cuban and I and I talk about like the altar, will he be like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, well, I think that different, different, yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah. no, no. no. Like there's the definitely, there's definitely and stuff, like, yeah. Yeah. Well, and like, I don't, oh, go ahead. go ahead. 
Oh, so well, I was gonna say it's like the beans, like <laughs> Colombian food. Sorry, Colombian food, Cuban food, Mexican food. It's just mm-hmm. like we. Use, it's the same thing. We just use different beans. We yeah. make the pork a different way. Call it a different name. Yeah, it's but it's all the same thing. Go ahead, Andrew. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh no, no, yeah, yeah, no. And I was gonna say the same thing. Like in the South, the West, or at least everyone that I know, like on Dia de los Muertos, we leave the door open because the idea is that you're inviting like the past ghosts and like to come in and out of the house. Or at least that's the tradition. But then in talking to other people, I don't think anyone else has that tradition. I think it's just <laughs> us. I don't know where we got it from, where we made it up, or what's going on. But yeah, yeah I do think like it's it's funny when you realize how regional some of your traditions are, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, and like I said, Andrew was part of um, the festival last year. I was reaching out to people because I was uh, looking for sort of comedy and he and then he showed me this movie and i was like yeah submit that i need that in the festival (laughs) for my comedy showcase Mm because it's it's a cool mix of stuff like that um but i know you're also working on 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 features and you have some uh, distribution with tubi and some other stuff like that so kind of what what are you working on right now what's the next big project for hara films well we have the empty space which is the feature we made in I don't, at this point, I think it was like three years ago. We made it, we it finished right before the pandemic and the pandemic kind of slowed everything down. Mm-hmm. Um, but so now we're hoping to get that one distributed. Um, and then just right now, like working on a lot of shorts. I just released a short today. I have mm-hmm. another one on Monday because I also like Halloween. Yeah. Um, but I want to keep them more, um, like I've, I've been, I spent this year recording a bunch of shorts and editing them so that next year they go at a more steady pace and this year i think this year was just whenever i got one done i would post it and so i'm hoping that next year i can have like a like an ongoing schedule as opposed to just whenever yeah i have a um oh sorry go ahead i was gonna say you're gonna try to keep one like in the can like just so that you always have stuff to release yeah yeah or at least so i know how many i have left because i think right now i have like three and i think hopefully by the end of this year i'll have at least six and then i'll know that i at least have six to release mm-hmm. nice. oh man ahead, that's Sophia. awesome I, well i was just gonna say i just finished watching prey um oh, first of all awesome concept um and i just wanted to know like where did you get the idea of just using the single camera and like it, no dialogue i don't want to spoil anything but like where did that idea come from I, it came from, I visited my brother and he had one of those ring cameras. Yeah. And oh, I just, yes. mm-hmm. I, I like, especially with these short films, yeah, perfect. <laughs> Beautiful. With these short films, it's like cool to play with premises and like with different, I think uh, I did like a found footage film or like the Freddy one, stuff I couldn't bring into features. Mm-hmm. And with Prey, I mean, you can only look through that camera lens for so long. So I figured it would, it would be perfect for a short, you know? That's true. Yeah, and I had no the idea where it was going. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> the next, uh, the, the next, uh, the next level of filmmaking is backup camera filmmaking. There you go. Yeah, it's also you that thing. It, like, if I can find something that seems creative, where I don't have to mess around with sound, <laughs> or I, don't, I only have to put the camera there one time and never have to worry about it again, I will yeah. do it. Well, you know which one is also creative, but I want to know how you even did it was the hound. Um, it it you did a really good job of making it seem like a real old timey film. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. Not only in the camera work, but in the sound as well. And I was like, how did he do that? Well, look at Sophia uh, doing her research. Yeah, the, I did one. One was 
unintentional and the other one was intentional. Um, okay. For the for the look of it, I think it's just the cinematography. Like we worked with a cinematographer who was good at being a cinematographer, but they, you know, they, they spent so much time like figuring out how to make things super realistic and look mm -hmm. real nice that they couldn't figure out how to go the other way to make it like look that kind of not cheesy grain, but that over like over dramatic element mm -hmm. to the to the framing where it's almost like a play, but it's also like a gothic painting. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that was the first one where I kind of storyboarded everything just so he could see, because I think they were even having, because I mean, this was in college and he was even having problems like framing it in a full screen because he was so mm -hmm. used to widescreen. And so it was just really like being a fan of those films and, and writing it. And then since we were in college, of course we messed up the sound. <laughs> and so, but even while we were doing it, I, I was thinking to myself, you know, like it's okay. And then we, we recorded in the studio and we just kind of like, instead of trying to make it match the environment, we kind of made it separate as much as we could from the environment. And there's even some instances where the person's lips are off just yeah. the air. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so we did that just to kind of like, you're, you want to match it. And since, you know, we can't make it sound realistic, we might as well go the other way and kind of make it sound like it's shaking off of the film. And mm -hmm. so I think it ends up, it's like the only film again, where that would work, where you could kind of get away with it. Oh, yeah. And so uh, it, it just turned into a happy accident. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, no, that was probably one of my favorites. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. A lot of people, uh, the hound is hard to get into just because it's so like, we try to make it like we didn't, it, we, it was not a parody. It was more like a homage to everything. And so mm -hmm. it, it, it's especially in this current environment of like terrifier people yeah. <laughs> sitting at home watching like a <laughs> 1920s horror film. But I'm were glad you, you liked it. Yeah. yeah. Were you always like um, inclined towards the horror route or how did you get into it? that genre specifically yeah I think what even from when we were young our parents would kind of let us watch whatever as long as it like was an NC-17 so we watched a lot of stuff that like we were watching Aliens and Predator when we were little kids and so it just kind of like seeing horror it, it allows you to open up so many things I mean even if you look at my shorts like Prey is a more serious uh horror film but then the one we just watched the Freddy one is clearly a comedy like it allows you to have so much stuff. And I've even in the movie like Borderland that I made, it's not a horror film. You kind of like draw from those horror elements to kind of help bring tension because nothing brings tension like the horror genre, you know? Oh, yeah. You are at 660 subscribers. Uh, so nice. Six more. <laughs> you're close. We're close. We need six more subscribers. I yeah. put the YouTube channel in the chat. And it'll be, perfect for, uh, it'll be perfect for Halloween. Yeah. Six, 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 six. And then you have to, when you get to 667, you have to kick people you stop off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I always do that with YouTube comments. Whenever there's um, uh, 69 likes, I can never yeah. give it another like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do. Whenever it gets to 69, I always go nice. And then I, I, yeah. I make sure to make a point of it. Exactly. All right, we're live with Andrew Hara, uh, filmmaker, uh, horror indie filmmaker. Um, so, Andrew, um, you know, other than other than what's happening here, what's what's occupying your life out there uh, in in Texas? What uh, what's 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 your biggest thing right now? Uh not much. Just we just finished another short uh, last weekend, and then we're just kind of building off everything. Like I said, hopefully the empty space goes somewhere soon, and so. Just kind of like everything's getting ready to go. And then, of course, the holidays are coming up. So 
yeah, it's kind of like the winding down at the end of the year. Hopefully it doesn't get too busy. Right. And you guys can watch Andrew Harris' uh, YouTube channel. He also has a channel on Tubi where you yeah. can watch some of his film as well. If you link that in the private chat, I'll also, I'll also send it out. Um, but um, man, it was, it, it was a lot of fun having Joe on, man. I, I, I met him and I was like, and then I started doing some research on him and then I realized kind of like uh, how kind of a big deal he is in the industry and kind of all the, all the things that he's done. So it was really awesome to have him on. And I really uh, enjoy connecting filmmakers and people and, um, and 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 I uh, it kind of makes me a little proud that uh, Mi Gente Show is is promoting uh, Latino talent um, across all factors, LA, and that we're so you know we have a cis, bi, gay, anything like Latinos, Mexicans, Colombians, like the whole the whole <laughs> smorgasbord yeah. is yeah. represented. Um, the one area that you want to find, and I want to find more, more Afro Latino guests for the show. And I've been sort of reaching out cause I want to make sure that, you know, we cover all parts of our culture and stuff like that, uh, Definitely. for that. But Andrew, you're just hanging out with us, right? Cause we, we wanted to, we were, we're yeah. going to, we're doing some tabs and, and we're doing no namas way here. So nice. Andrew Hara, welcome to me, Hente show, part <laughs> of the team. Uh, Sophia, are you ready for us to do some tabs? Uh, yeah, sure. Let's get, let's get to it. <laughs> Halloween, and if oh. anybody had, and uh, well, actually, let's let me because let me. Uh, I do have a bracket for 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 Andrew later before we. Oh end. yay! Okay, so um, I, I didn't want to do it with Joe because he, he we had already like gone with him so long that I didn't want to put it off. So I was like, Andrew's getting the bracket. Nice. Um, <laughs> but um, but uh, what is your what is what are what are what are like some of your favorite must watch horror movies every year? Is that do you have like a playlist for his? I have mine. I have my as watch. A, as in like rewatchable or as in like... As in like, like this is best. the movie that I like to watch every Halloween. Okay. Oh, like the right one? That's a good movie. Yeah, yeah. I've I like never the, seen the, the OG, they're, they're remaking this right now for, on HBO, right? Yeah. Or they're making, they made the series. Made no, the series. Showtime. Showtime, they're doing a series about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but do you have like a, like, a, like, a, like a favorite Halloween movie or something that you like to uh, revisit? I have like a couple of them that I just kind of go through. Like this year I watched Army of Darkness and like American Psycho. I try to watch a new horror movie every day during October just to kind of see okay. what's it lets it allows me to catch up on the horror films. And then the thing that's always constant is that in between those movies, I try to watch the Simpsons Halloween specials because mm-hmm. they're nice, like it's yeah. still horror, but it's not as like gruesome. It lets you take a little break, you know? Yeah. Yeah, nice. that's awesome. Absolutely. Um, I've been watching. Well, I, what I like to do is I always like check in and, and see any list or it's like the most gruesome, you know. Oh, yeah. Like like the like I always go for the list and then I, I'll go pick off some. And then, you know, I, I saw some threads where it was like, what's the scariest Halloween movie or horror movie? And then I get some and then sometimes they're like good and then for example what was another one there was a movie called lake mungo or something oh, you like like mungo <laughs> i saw it i what? saw it on the list and i had not watched it and then i went and watched it and i was like it's it's one of those right, movies it. and it kind of gets ruined by because i feel like if you see it and you don't expect it to be the best horror movie ever mm-hmm. it really freaks you out but i feel like people go in and it has such a big reputation as being like the best horror film that they kind of go in 
expecting it to be different. And when it's what it is, they're just kind of like, oh, that's what that okay. And I feel like, yeah, if you can go see it, I would want I'll try to watch it blind and don't listen to anything. Yeah, yeah, that's all yeah. No, what I the what I've always said about like found footage and movies like that is that there was a time and a place where something like that would freak you out because it was the 80s and the 90s. And your friend would show up with a VHS tape and he'd be like, you got to watch this movie. Mm -hmm. And that is when if you had put on the Blair Witch Project or you put on Faces of Death or you put on something like that, that shit freaks you out. But I think now when you walk into it and you're like, oh, this movie's supposed to be a psychological thriller. And then you're like, "Uh." like when I saw Terrifier and Terrifier 2, I was like, "Okay, this is supposed to be the brand new like hot slasher, you know. Right. So yeah, I think yeah. that's kind of what, what did it. I mean, I thought I understood what they were trying to do and I got it. But I also at the same time, I was like, mm, OK. Yeah. See, and I think like to me, it's always funner that if I could, my whole goal is to get to the point where I can just give the vaguest plot synopsis ever and have people like go in not knowing anything, because I think that that's the funnest way, especially to experience horror. like I, I told them. I told my brother, we just watched Audition, and I told him it was like a love romantic audition. comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I always, for like half of the movie, it is a romantic comedy. I, I want to re- like, recut Audition as a romantic comedy trailer. <laughs> well, and he was like, ah, this movie's weird to watch for Halloween. And then it kept going and kept going. And so by the end of it, he was freaking out just because of where it goes. And it's, to me, that's so fun to like get people like where they're not expecting it at all you know yeah absolutely i was too yeah. late sorry sophia i was too lazy to make my own coffee tonight sorry oh no uh, you're fine <laughs> anytime somebody's like can somebody recommend a romantic comedy i always put audition uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny um no absolutely what about you sophia did we uh, did we get oh. you I mean, no, it's super embarrassing because, like, <laughs> I love horror movies. I really do. But I'm such a, like, I always go back to, you know, um, I, I repeat a lot. And honestly, the 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 movies that I choose to watch in October, I, I have a long list of horror films that I would like to catch up on. Um, so I just added, like, Mungo and I added Audition. I have not watched them. Nice. Me. <laughs> yeah. But it's long. And I don't know why I'll be sitting on the couch and I'll always go back to the very campy, childish Halloween movies like Hocus Pocus. I watch all of the Disney Channel like Halloween episodes, the Simpsons like Halloween episodes, stuff like that. And then I'm like ashamed because I'm like, damn it, I could have been watching something better. No, I think that's great. I think you need that palate cleanser. Comfort food, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like imagine watching Terrifier and Terrifier 2 like back to back with all their gorns. I yeah. will watch it, I promise, because, yeah, it's been talked about too much. I need to watch it. Yeah. Where do you fall on, like, um, like Martyrs or, like, Salo, stuff like that? Add Martyrs to your list, Sophia, as well. Martyrs? Okay. Martyrs. It's, um, it's a I, long list, y'all. The French, the French <laughs> oh, my God, it was so long. <laughs> no, and I didn't even scroll. It's sad. The French, the French version. I, Martyr well, the French. I think it just depends. I'm not I, – I, I know it's blasphemy, but I'm not the hugest fan of Martyrs. Um, I like the effects, but I don't like the story that much. But like, um, what was the other one you said? Salo or 120 Days. The um... yeah, Salo I haven't seen, but I have like every once in a while I'll try to find um, like these kind of uh, 
banned horror films like Hannibal, Cannibal Holocaust or yeah, uh, it's Solo. Like I do Solo, Cannibal Holocaust, a Serbian movie. There's, There's like a- that uh, experiment uh, 243 about the Japanese internment camps. Yeah. And so like sometimes like I don't like if you're going to do gore for gore's sake, it has to be like fun to me. Like it has to be like Evil Dead style, like yeah. where they're just shooting you with blood. Oh, and if yeah. you're going to do it like super realistic, like audition we just mentioned, I there needs to be a point for me. Like in audition, it's clearly like a super feminist film. And so mm-hmm. I understand why they're doing all that stuff. Or even like Texas Chainsaw, they have the violence theme. And so if you're going to be super realistic, you have to have a theme. But like some of these, like a lot of, a lot of torture porn movies don't have a purpose. And so I just kind of like, I kind of get bored and annoyed that I'm just watching people scream for two hours. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. I guess that like the Salo and the, um, and the like Serbian movie and stuff like that, where they sort of, they sort of say that it is a horror movie, but it's supposed to represent like fascism or the right. politics of that specific state. Sometimes that gets lost on me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because you, it, it almost feels like okay, I understand it, but you're still showing like some depravity and some crazy ass stuff. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you're right, still choosing right. to tell the story in a in a in a horror way, right? Yeah, yeah. And I definitely think it depends on how they're presenting it. Because, like you said, I mean, even if they're trying to make a point, if like Cannibal Holocaust is trying to make a point, but they're still like doing all that stuff to the animals, and so like I don't care what their point is. <laughs> I don't want to watch. Right, it's so you cut a turtle's head off, you know. Yeah. It's, still, it's still fucked. It's still fucked. All right. Yeah. Uh, and if you could direct either a uh, Terrifier 3 or mm-hmm. Scream 8, which one would you take? Um, I would probably take Scream. I just like I like the phone call aspect. I, I would try to get Nev Campbell back. Yes. Um, and I, I like the ghost face costume. We actually did a screen parody that should be coming out soon. Um, kind of in the vein of the Freddy one, but yeah, I just like all the stuff of the, and I, I, I saw the first terrifier and I've seen the other, the tales of Halloween or the mm-hmm. first appearance of art, the clown. And I, I mean, I love that they have their fans, but I'm not the hugest fan of that kind of like super gory movie. I do want to watch the second one, but I'm gonna go with a very open mind because the first one didn't didn't catch my my love as much as I wanted it to. You talking Terrifier? Yeah, yeah. You, it, it felt, and I talked about this with Kurt on the two M burrito Halloween thing. Um, it felt like a crowdfunded movie because you could tell they had the scenes and they got more money, so they were like, "Okay, I guess we can make this." two minute right. torture scene into like a seven minute torture scene. What else can we do to this body? Because <laughs> yeah. some of them was like, and then I don't know the whole, like where he's like ripping people's skin off. And then he's like, ah, look at me. Right, I'm just right. like, ain't I a silly murderous clown? It, okay. uh, some, it, it feels like it feels cool. But at the same time, it feels like, ah, the bit was going to wear off at some point the, mm-hmm. because it's like, you know, so Definitely for horror fans, it is a cool watch. And if you yeah. like slasher and torture porn, there is the one bit I will spoil is that at some point he hands out Halloween candy at this house where he's murdered everybody and he's and he puts the candy in this lady's head. Oh, <laughs> so, so the kids think it's just like a Halloween prop, and everybody's yeah. like, and he's like, and some kid tries to take two pieces of candy, and he's like, no. <laughs> no, one oh my God. and he's like, but he's got a woman's head in his hand, and, and everybody's like, he's like, ah, look at me, 
look at me. I'm such a silly murderous clown. I don't know. Yeah. I just kind of I, I I dig it, but at the same time, there's like something that's just like pissing me off about it. For some yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you everybody for watching. We're live here with Andrew Hara. We're just we're ta we're talking a little bit about his life in horror, and he's a Hindi filmmaker. I've put his channels and his Tubi channel in the chat. You can check him out. He's at 660 YouTube. So hopefully between this and the podcast, we can get him up to 666. Yes. The yes. number of the beast as I got yeah. my maiden shirt. <laughs> From the Maiden concert. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, let's catch up here. Malcolm's uh, stopping by earlier. He says, I can hear. Oh, that's what probably <laughs> you were asking us. Yeah. Uh, Pop Culture X stopped by, said, Love, Ren, and Stimpy. Yeah. Uh, Lefty said something about aliens and said, Yathas are far superior. Okay. Uh, predator. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Ah, okay. Uh, all right, cool. Let's jump into some tabs and what's going on yeah. in the world. Remind you that you can catch me, Hentis Show. Podbean, mihente, mihente and you can find out here. You can watch, you can listen to our shows anywhere: Player FM, High Heart Radio, TuneIn, Alexa, Amazon Music, Spotify, mm -hmm. the new Podbean app. We're getting ourselves uh, all the places. You can see us on all the places, listen to us, and then we also stream live on Thursdays. So thank you for everybody that has tuned in. Um, and hey, 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 I'm just just putting it out here. Uh, we're doing some numbers. Look, uh, the beer and startup has 122 downloads. Our Ooh. first episode has, uh, our first episode has like 200. The last few episodes have been doing good. Uh, 56, 62, 122 for the David for one. This one was just for today. It's already got 17 from this morning. Uh, the next episode with Rosa. So make sure you guys are listening and following me. Hent the show across all platforms. Yes. All right. <laughs> My truck. Let's get into it. All right. Uh, here's a cool video that we that we posted that was from a couple of days ago. Con Tenocho ahí, con su, con su barbita y sus ojos cristalinos y todo este pinche pedo. ¿Cómo te sientes, cabrón? Start skin teared, teary eyed. Oh. <laughs> oh. I promised myself I wasn't going to cry. <laughs> What's the context? Uh, Wakanda Forever, the the, oh, the new movie, I'm and so he, out of the loop, dude. Oh my god! <laughs> my god, so out of the loop. I'm sorry. Emotional <laughs> moment for Tena Huerta as he sees a mural made for him in Mexico. One time for Namor. Come on, come on, Sofia. I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't send me these links, so I'm just kind of like, what? I didn't know I had to tell you about the fucking icon in the new I'm Black Panther idiot, movie Lee. that's representing your entire culture. I'm a, I'm a, yeah, I'm a disgrace. Come on, I'm, I'm Colombian. I'm so sorry. Come on, come on. All right. Let's cut that part out before they, 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 they remove your nopales. Right. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Nopal like, off my frente. We're removing the nopal. Sorry. Yeah. All right. Uh, customer service jobs are a fucking bitch, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is lady dealing with a. Yeah. Tell me if you can hear this. No, I'm reading. 
Well, with that one, we could get you checked in. It came in as a King's Fleet reservation, so it has a King's Fleet. Question here is, at one point, would you freak out with this guy? Okay? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I understand. It's just, it's the way that Booking.com sent us the reservation, so all that we have is that, and we're sold out for tonight. I get that. So what do you expect this to that's what I'm saying. Yes, so we could either check you into the room or we could cancel the reservation. That's the only This is as far as I would go. No, I'm not. Yeah, but there are also other holiday express. There's any other holiday express hotels. This is not like a like a fancy hotel. This is a holiday in express. Right. Yeah. Right. See, I'm bad at customer service. I would have done it from his I understand the first time. And that's it. Yeah. So for context, uh, it's, a, it's a TikTok of a girl that was, that was working the front counter at a hotel. The guy reserved through booking and he thought he was getting two queen beds, but instead he's got a king bed and a pullout couch. And it's him, his wife, and two kids. That so seems for, fine to me. For me, for any minority Latino, it's like, yeah, you stick the two fucking kids on the pullout couch, you get the king. Even if you got a big kid, it's a king size bed. You, you, the yeah. three of you can snuggle. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. not gonna get any. You're not getting any sexy time. I, but. I slept on the floor of the holiday. Yeah. They're like, what I'm are like, they talking about? On the floor. Yeah. <laughs> it's like either, hey, do you have any? Do you have any rollaway beds? No. Well, yeah. then can you just bring us a bunch of extra blankets and stuff so we can make a little thing? Like it's you know like. Like you don't be a fucking piece of shit to the fucking. Yeah, yeah. and I really, I really just like the condescending questions of like, well, what should I do? What do you expect right. me to do? What do you mean? It's your yeah, and it's that thing car. where like you're at a Holiday Inn Express. Like, what do you think they have the power to do? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, and it's she very simple, not engage anymore. Yeah, if you book through, and apparently, like, I'll, I'll cut this off, but apparently, like, he, he's like, I can't do this, and then he came back and he like spit on the floor and he like. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And then he's like, it's like, who hasn't checked in yet? I want their room. Bro, no. <laughs> the, yeah. The middle, the middle manager entitlement. Yeah. I don't like All right. Kids well, uh, dressed up as a uh, kid as Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't I, see here. The, the worst part about this is that. That kid doesn't want to dress up like Jeffrey Dahmer. He wants to be like Spider Man. Exactly. Know? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's like that's like look that's like clout chasing. Yeah, it's clout it's chasing and your, your kid parents. is bait. Yeah, mm-hmm. or because like, like well, I when I was a kid I wanted to be like Luke Skywalker. It wasn't until I was like in sixth grade where I wanted to be like a monster or something. You know. Yeah. That's what edge are, edge lord mom. What yeah. are your guys' opinions on like the controversy of um, the Dahmer show, like? and glorifying killers and all of that, that whole discourse that's happening in the internet. Um, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like they should be telling these stories. I, I don't know necessarily if it has to be about Jeffrey Dahmer. I don't know why we, we aren't doing like, you know, text chainsaw massacre science of the lambs are based on Ed Gein, but they're clearly not Ed Gein. And you still kind of get the same approach, but mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a, there's such a demand for true crime right now. Yeah, I think I'm in the minority that I I would rather see like an original story using these elements and using taking advantage of like the actual victims, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I think I agree with that. There's something I don't know feels yucky about it <clears throat> when it comes you to know, victims, at least. I I I 
I think I don't relate to the people that didn't know about Dahmer because I was I was around when when Dahmer dropped, and oh, yeah. when I was like, oh my god, like because I mean, if you think of like Ted Bundy, uh, and then you think like Ted Bundy with women, and then uh, Gacy with with men, and then it's like so it's weird that we have these this 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 one like top serial killer for each like segment of the population right right mm-hmm. like there's the the one that killed black kids and there's the one that killed gay men and there's the one that killed women and then there's the one that killed everybody and stuff like that yeah and i i i have seen tons of and i think even better than for me like the gacy tapes and the Dahmer stuff and the Dahmer docs are better than the series because mm-hmm. the series was trying to do two things. It was trying to rectify that issue about the victims, mm-hmm. uh, about the exploitative by giving us a deeper backstory on some of the victims, but it was yeah. being exploitative as it was doing that because yeah. it was right. also giving you like a fuller picture of Dahmer and sort of making a piece of shit into like a sex like symbol, a, almost honestly, like almost, an, right. almost an anti-hero, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's like, hey, you know, hey, Dahmer killed uh, 12 people, but Heisenberg killed like 200, you know, and we still right. rooted for him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's the issue. And that's what happens. When, and this is why stuff like this happens, because I don't know necessarily if she's got a four year old that she was around and understood what Dahmer was when it was happening. You know, so that's kind of, I think, what yeah. leads to that. Well, and it's that thing I do like, uh, and I know I just said that I don't, but I like the American, or Once Upon a Time in America, in Hollywood, because it is that thing where, like, in the Dahmer show and in a lot of these other shows, they kind of treat these serial killers as if they're almost supernatural. Like, you know, you you see sometimes when they introduce Manson in other movies, Mm -hmm. and they always give him the long beard, and he kind of comes in like this, like, like almost like Hannibal Lecter. And I like the way that Quentin Tarantino kind of said, no, this guy wasn't Hannibal Lecter. He was just like an idiot who like got a bunch of kids stoned and tricked them into like thinking dumb shit because they were kids. And so I did like that kind of like, you can tell that Quentin Tarantino does not like Charles Manson. Mm -hmm. And so he really like made him look like a buffoon. And he did the same thing with the KKK. And to me, that's almost preferable because like, the idea that racists are like super smart is incorrect. You're like stupid morons. And so mm-hmm. yeah. it's cool to like show them as like buffoons and not as this like evil yeah. thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, I definitely love that. I didn't hate the Ted Bundy show, the incredibly evil and that one. I didn't think it was, was horrible. But I, to the point that you make, it's also I, I also like when they get taken down a peg. But because if you look at it. Bundy was a sick fuck that drugged people and killed them when they were asleep. John Wayne Gacy would literally just show you a, a handcuff trick and then say, here, now I'm going to show you how to get out of some handcuffs. And then he would yeah. put you in handcuffs and then he would murder you. And right. Ted Bundy was just a good looking white guy that literally just got away with murder because right. he was like, an, he was a good looking white guy. Yeah. And that, that, that was it. So, <laughs> And it is these that thing where it's like... These aren't masterminds, right. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, was Jeffrey Dahmer, like, a criminal mastermind? Or did one of his guys literally get, escape, run to the cops with a giant hole in yeah. his head, and say yeah. he was being killed, captured, and the cops were like, oh, they're two gay guys. Let them go back. You know? The same thing happens with yeah. 
I think it's why so many of the serial killers pick on marginalized groups because they know like that no one, I mean, the Zodiac killer, literally they found him covered in blood and they saw that, but they had like a description that he was supposed to be black. So they let him go, which if you think about it, even if he wasn't a Zodiac killer, you should stop anyone covered in blood. Yeah. You should not let that person go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Stop and frisk the bloody people. Yeah. So like, are these guys smart or are the cops just dumb? Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, I find it really unsettling that they kind of make him like an anti-hero, a hero, whatever. It's just Mm -hmm. like, you're giving this person publicity, which is kind of low key what they wanted. Why could they committed such um, atrocities? Um, And it's almost like, I know that it, a lot of time has passed, but I'm sure there's still victims out there that are dealing with the emotional turmoil. Yeah, absolutely. That they, yeah. And so it would be almost like, would, would we do a show nowadays from like, let's say, you know, the shooter that shot a bunch of kids in Uvalde or something like that? Obviously, oh, right. no, because it's too soon, right? But I'm like, in the future, is that the expectation? Like, is there are there going to be movies about this guy? And yeah. is it going to be sympathetic? Because it makes me feel uneasy. So I don't know. I kind of, I think that's why I haven't watched Dahmer. It just makes me feel uneasy. Yeah, know. it's not even that good. It's not even that good. I think that that the documentaries, I, documentaries and true crime podcasts and true crime shows are good because I think that's a good way to deal with it. But once you turn it into a show and they're yeah. the main character and you get Evan Peters, who's like, the yeah, sexiest, yeah. And you get like, whatever, a, and you get like, a, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I enjoyed listening to the, cause I had heard uh, from uh, a friend of mine that lived in LA during the, uh, what's the, the Richard, uh, uh, oh, the nice the soccer, nice, the nice soccer. R- Richard oh, Ramirez, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and he was, he was in LA during that time. And he was like, man, it was just like fucking crazy. And I enjoyed watching the documentary because it was like talking to the cops that worked the case and this stuff. Mm-hmm. But do I want to see a Netflix show about him where they get like Pedro Pascal? Or something yeah, like that right, right. To, to play him, like no, yeah, exactly, no, because I don't, I don't, I feel that's 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 not good for the victims. That's just not good for society in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So also, funny thing, uh, Richard Ramirez is from El Paso, mm-hmm. and. Um, he was really good friends with my dad. Oh, <laughs> whoa. And my dad was like, yeah, he was kind of quiet and he liked to sleep in the cemeteries. And I was like, yeah, that's, these are weird things. Weird what? Things. <laughs> because they, I mean, they were in the Segundo Barrio, so they just kind yeah. of like all live together. And, you know, like it was that thing where you're just friends with whoever lives around you. And so they yeah. lived around him. His brother still lives in El Paso. Maybe I shouldn't say that. I don't know, but <laughs> they try not to talk about it too much. Um, but yeah, it's a very wow. weird, it's very weird that he's from El Paso. And it's also, I, 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 the thing about Richard Ramirez that I always liked is that he tried to hide within the Mexicans because he thought the Mexicans would save him. And once they figured out who he was, they like beat the shit out of him and like mm. presented him to the cops. And I always think, like, what a good end to Ramirez's thing, because he was terrorizing these neighborhoods, and the neighborhoods yeah. eventually, like, fought back as soon as they could and turned them in immediately. And I think that that's... He, he like, wanted to use our love of community against us, so we didn't let him, you know? Yeah, Pablo Escobar did something similar in Colombia, except he would pay any people off. He wasn't murdering them, you know? Well, he was yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. But, yeah. All right, moving right along. Uh, okay, do you want some cringe or do you want uh, Kanye? Or, or, or is Kanye? Yeah, well. I, don't, I mean, I don't even really know. 
the Kanye story has just been so crazy. Um, you know, like there's a couple of clips that that were just like the epitome of it for me. Uh, I'll play I'll play this one here because this one's just insane. The thing about it, me and Adidas is like <laughs> I could literally say anti-Semitic shit and it can't problem. <laughs> I could say anti-Semitic things and Adidas can't drive me. Now what? Well, that that didn't age well. <laughs> Yeah. Well, also, I mean, I at this it, point, it, he had already said anti-Semitic things. Like, yeah. No, this was, I mean, the, the whole last two weeks with Kanye have been fucking exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, the latest thing that came out today is that he wanted to, he wanted to name his Yay album from 2010. He wanted to name the album Hitler. Oh my yeah, God. yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and, and yes, Adidas, as well as uh, many, else. many, many German <laughs> companies, Many German companies were founded by Nazis. The guy who founded Adidas' name is Adolf. And but mm. the thing is, Germany is now very anti-anti-Semitic. You can get in trouble for saying anti-Semitic stuff in Germany these days. It's a very progressive company. But Adidas did take a little bit longer than everybody else to finally drop them. They were also talking about a one billion dollar entity with Yeezys and their partnership and stuff like that. So there was probably a lot of logistics mm. that had yeah. to go into them dropping him. Um but I guess the weird thing about that clip is just him so blatantly saying the good thing about Adidas is I can say anti-Semitic things and they can't drop me yeah, because yeah. of his knowledge that it's a German company. And it's been really easy to see, to spot the anti-Semitic in your friends list this last week. <laughs> yeah, It's been because they sort of been like self-reporting a lot. Right. Um, but but man, how do you how do you how do you guys react to that? Well, I thought it was more of the fact that he had ingrained himself so much in the Adidas brand, and I think that's what it like. I don't think Adidas did this because they're super. I don't believe any corporation does anything for the good of themselves. I think they looked at it and they saw that it was hurting them more than it was helping them, and they knew that they were going to take a hit. But they're like, well, if we don't drop them now, we're going to take a bigger hit. So let's mm-hmm. say the word. And I think he was like. A little bit taunting them. He he seems to be trying to get a reaction from everyone. Yeah, one of the things yeah. that he was trying to get out of his contract with them, but that he kind of took a little bit a little bit too far. Yeah, well, I think be better he, ways. Yeah, I don't know. I feel I, he has bipolar disorder, and he's clearly having a manic episode. So I don't know. I feel like the self aggrandizement that he does, where like, oh, I'm I'm powerful and no one can drop me. Um, he forgets that. You know, like Andrew said, at, at the end of the day, it's capitalism that rules. And so, right. yeah, the Yeezy brand makes a shit ton of money and Adidas is losing out. But over the long haul, it, it's better to sever ties. So that's where he doesn't. I don't know. He just I hope he goes back on his meds. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, it is that thing where I don't know. You want to start spewing hatred. It's kind of it's like, all right, you need you need help in a lot of ways. But also you need to get off of the Internet and off of. Yeah. And I mean, it's a brand at the end of the day and it's capitalism. So they're going to go where the money is. And unfortunately, anti-Semitism is just not profitable. So right. what did no. you think would happen? God. Well, that's the other part of it, because there is there is a OK, there are two things that happen on the 405. There's a group of like uh, straight up Nazis and, right. that, mm-hmm. that harass people and they put up banners across the 405 that said Kanye was right about the Jews, blah, 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 all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. So it does embolden people and it does embolden uh, minorities and, and it does proliferate that. Um, exactly. But there is 
<clears throat> there is a morsel of truth um, about the fact that when he said, uh, you know, slavery was a choice, he didn't get he didn't get canceled. Um, and and then they, the the main point that some of these people say about Kanye getting canceled is like, well, YouTube and, and and Twitch and this allows people to rap about murder and violence and this and that. But as soon as somebody says something about the Jews, uh, that's when they get canceled. So there is the that's kind of like the Black Lives Matter, no, all lives matter kind of argument to that situation, right? That's like the the first thing that comes into your mind about that is, well, how about that? So there is. There is that talking point. There is that argument to be made about that, but I don't agree with anything that he says because even if he says like abortion is the Black Holocaust, I think one billion abortions don't equal six million people lost in the Holocaust because at the base level, abortions are a medical choice, and yes, those people could have been kids, but but this there's a billion reasons why systematically rounding up and murdering 6 million people is not the same as aborting 10 billion babies. Yeah. And it's not babies at that point. You're literally, you're literally false equivalents from an embryo, a zygote even to a human being. Like that's just not, it's not. Yeah. And I think that there's, I mean, the problem with that kind of stuff is that there's always false equivalents. Like there's a big difference between, you know, ice cube rapping about how he's going to kill like another gang member who's anonymous and like, Kanye's talking about how he's going to go DEFCON on all the Jews. Like, right. <laughs> there's a very big difference between those. And it's that thing where, like, there's all, they're always, people are always trying to justify their supremacy with, like, oh, well, you know, this guy's saying this. And it's like, it's a very easy conversation because then you want to argue that point, but there's not a point there. You, you know, right. like, one of them is just a scenario where, yeah, violence is bad, but it's part of their art. And the other one is just straight up bigotry, and it's like that those two things don't have anything really in common. Yeah, exactly. I I often will make the analogy, you know, in terms of like, and and again, this is looking at things from like the scientific perspective, but, you know, um, and this is something like it's it's mostly a right-wing talking point, but it's one of the ones where I think they do have at least some sort of interesting take is, for example, like, you know, 10 people killed in a school shooting versus 17 people that died over a weekend in Chicago and New York. And again, you go back to the fact that it's like, well, one of them is like gang violence and and city culture and stuff. And and that's different from somebody choosing to go murder a bunch of people, but it's still people that are dying. So, you know, there's both sides to everything in that facet, you know, where you can sort of look at things and and, and do the equivalencies. Um, And it's, it's, it's a conversation at least to be had. You know, because mm-hmm. you do want right. to you, you, you more than one thing can be true and you do want to fix some of that. I recommend watching the Lex Friedman interview. He gives them a little pushback. Yeah, it's a really um, great interview. Yeah. In terms of the Kanye thing, nothing yeah. really that we can add. to. I that, think though. he's just he's just used to having yes men around him. And so that right. that's why that interview was like particularly <clears throat> he's just going at him. It's great. Giving him All right. Dragon in. Dragon News. Ooh. Right. Oh, George. You know, it's the same update I've been giving for a long time. I'm, I continue to work on it. Mm-hmm. It continues to get longer and longer. I mean, I was working on it. That's what she said. Back hey, hey. Three yeah. four days, but I was, 
I was rereading some chapters that I'd written earlier and I didn't like them well enough. And uh, so I kind of ripped them apart and rewrote them. Uh, oh. And I had some ideas while I've been on this trip. I got to get back and, and hopefully get to it while the ideas are still fresh in my head. Um, it's a yes. big, big book. I've said that before. It's a challenging mm -hmm. book. Um, it's probably going to be a larger book than any of the pre previous volumes in the series. Uh, the, of course. The uh, Desert Dragons and Storm of Swords are the two largest books in the series. They were both about 1,500 manuscript pages. I think this one is going to be longer than that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm about three quarters of the way done, maybe. 75% um, done, so if you have... Bro, yes. And there's the issue here of my friends at Random House where I deliver this monstrous book that will be as big as this dragon. I swear, if the editor takes more than like two days with it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Let's go. I'm so excited. I finish it. I, I, I have to get it all done. And uh, I've given up making predictions because people press me and press me. When's it going to be done? And I make. Why are you doing this interview, George? Just go back and write. Yeah, go write. Do nothing but go write. Let's, oh, gosh. All right, here's the so question for you, Sophia. Yeah. Here's, uh -huh. here's, a, here's a question for you, Sophia. Uh -huh. uh, Andrew, are you a, a Game of Thrones or a yeah. House of Thrones? Yeah, okay. What is going to happen first? Okay. Winds of Winter drops in book form or House of the Dragon has its series finale? Oh, and that is mind, hard. And keep in mind that they didn't know that season one was going to be a success. So season two is not going to come out for till I think twenty twenty four. Yeah. Okay. So. And they still got a couple of. They still they're going to drag that out. That's what I was thinking. Because listen, I know the entire story to House so of the I. Dragon, and there's certain points that they have to hit. We should do a quiz on like the history of Westeros between us. <laughs> oh, we should. I'm down. But yeah, the, no, the the House of the Dragon, I can see it going for another five seasons if they really spread them out. Um, so which ones? So what happens? House of the Dragon ends? Like what, five years more oh. because of post? Um, or wins I would, if he is 75%, I, I will say when uh, the book will come out before. But didn't it take him? How long has it taken him to get to seventy five percent? Exactly, it's already been. Well, it's, isn't it been like twenty years? Well, yeah, yeah but he, at first, he's not a lazy writer. I mean, he did drop. No. He did drop the first few books in like every couple of years. Yeah. Drop. He was dropping them. So obviously, so yeah. I think it's just he became super popular, and then he's got like he's probably getting like laid a lot, and then he's probably just like he <laughs> gets invited to life, every convention. Man. He gets it. You know, yeah. saying he's. Like, you know, what is it? I think one of the boxers used to, uh, one of the boxers, I don't know if it was, I don't remember the boxer, so I, I, but the, the quote is, um, it's hard to get up to go run at four in the morning when you're laying in mm -hmm. silk sheets. Yeah. You know right, what I mean? Right. Which yeah, is the thing true. when, part of the reason that the boxing has always been like minorities is because it was people that were struggling, the Irish, black, Mexicans, um, and, 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 it, and to be a boxer, you probably live in fucking the hood and you got to get up and you got to go do your world work at four in the morning. And when right. you make a little money and you're fucking laying in silk sheets, it's harder to get to have that energy. So I think there's probably yeah. a little bit of that, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. it's also like he was writing on game of Thrones. He's been very involved in the house of the dragon. He did like 
those like little egg shorts that he was doing. Yeah, and egg. It, it, so it's not like he hasn't been writing. It's more yeah. just like, and also you got to think of the pressure. Like imagine if someone else did the movie that you are like the book that you were doing yeah. and they, and the reception to it was really bad. And so like there had, and there had to be a point where like there's stuff in the book that's not in the show. And when he's writing on the show, he kind of has to like keep switching his mind back and forth. So I could see why it's taken him a lot longer than you yeah. probably even assumed that it was going to take him. I also wonder with um, House of the Dragon how long because uh, the season are, the seasons aren't confirmed, right? Like we don't know how long the totality of the show is going to be. Oh, yeah, we just know they're going to do the next season. Okay, because yeah. I also wonder, like in House um, in Game of Thrones, sorry, the actors also had other projects and they got bigger and bigger, and then they didn't want to be there. So for someone like Matt Smith, who's like a re- a pretty famous actor, I feel like. He's not going to want to stay longer than three years. I don't know. You know, I don't know how long his right. contract is. But I feel like if I knew what he signed, I would yeah. have an answer. <laughs> Did he sign a five-year? Did he sign I a mean, uh, uh, Depends on what they cover in season two. Uh, yeah, but what I mean is like, oh, I don't want to spoil anything. That's what I'm saying. This, the, he yeah. could probably be done in season two if he if he had. Yeah, they can make it work, but they would have to progress a lot. They would have to like, speed it up. But I think it, yeah. that would be more like a, a season three ending for, yeah. for, my, for myself. I think it might be like happened. a, yeah, it might be a four season, maybe five. Let's yeah. stretch it out. Yeah. I think I think the main thing for next year is going to be blood and cheese. <laughs> blood and cheese. Yeah, that's my prediction. Oh, okay. And then, uh, and if I read a thread, and uh, and 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 if you and obviously for everybody out there, the best place to fucking talk about uh, Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, is the uh, is the Free Folk Reddit because mm-hmm. that's where every spoiler is, and that's like the best. That's like the most free flowing. The the Reddit Free Folk is my fucking favorite. Yes. Uh, the a song of the a song of ice and fire is okay, but they always like it's like spoiler free and stuff like that. There's a lot of really cool discussions. One of the cool things that I saw this week was the idea of a prequel set during the time of Aegon the Conqueror, but told through the eyes of like Dorn and like the other parts of Westeros where they're just the, they're just the, the, the villain. So mm-hmm. it's like about the people that are getting conquered by the dragons and the oh, dragons. Right, right. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. not like, not like the Dahmer thing where you're talking because because from Aegon the Conqueror, spoiler alert, he conquered because he had right. the, <laughs> he had a dragon that was the size of a kaiju that literally could melt castles. Yeah. Um, but um, so for him, it was pretty easy, you know, but right, right. from the perspective of the of the other people, it would be kind of a cool, you know. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> yeah, I think Plus, so. we don't see enough Dorn. And yeah, I love cool. that's my yeah. favorite city yeah, too, yeah, yeah, Dorn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're yeah, they like karate or something. Yeah. They're super cool right. over there. Right. Super shark, positive, yeah. This, <laughs> this, shark, this shark looks how I feel. Damn. Oh. <laughs> oh. That's the same shark. Same. Same. I feel you. Same. Same, same. same shark. <laughs> Jesus. That's yeah, how I go about my life. And, appara- and apparently, and apparently, um, Sharks get attacked by giant jellyfish. Oh, really? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, like that was that weird. makes sense because he has like kind of almost like lashes. Yeah. I wonder if it's jellyfish stings. Oh. Yeah, I think I think yeah, I think so. I think so. Oh, All right. Though. Um, so um this is like a thing that people okay, watch this first and then and then I'll tell you kind of like the thing, right? Okay. I think I'm gonna put us up. 
Oh uh, yeah, dolphins are rapists. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> Trigger warning: dolphin rape. Yeah. Okay. Right, but the the thing is that like apparently, um, <laughs> that's a thing that you pay for. Oh. So like you you can pay extra for the and there was videos of this some there's another video of it but apparently you can pay extra to to have the to have the dolphin fake try to bang you. Well, yeah, that's weird. That's a there's weird a video thing. of a guy like egging the dolphin on and the guy just sitting there and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, come here. Fuck this guy." Yeah. <laughs> and, the dolphin, and the dolphin was like, "All right." Time to fucking, but yeah, dolphins are notoriously uh, sexual. Offenders. Yeah, I know they'll do it regard like they'll do it on their own, but that's it is weird for, to pay for that. Yeah, yeah, that's unsettling. Yeah. So it's like, hey, you want to swim with the, <laughs> you want to swim with dolphins? Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I want them to carry him around, and I want to yeah. hold on to his fin. Yeah, that's two hundred dollars. Excellent. All right. Uh, do you offer anything else? Yeah, you want them to dry hump you? <laughs> yeah like how do you broach that subject it's like oh yeah, yeah. You can, you're gonna get the dolphin touch and you can ride them for a little bit and then if you want them to have sex with you that's like an extra 40 bucks yeah <laughs> if you want him to ride you yeah i'd be like yeah. oh you know what i'm gonna go to i'm gonna go to sea world i trust uh, it a little bit more. all right oh, apparently man. if you have an upside down pineapple on your luggage on your shirt or if you put an upside down pineapple in your shopping cart, it means you are a swinger. What? Yeah, no. that's weird. Have you? Do you know about this? No. No. <laughs> you yeah, I mean, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I mean, are, are swingers still giving each other codes like the seventies? Yeah, I'm like, I feel like the swingers <laughs> like, are just swinging. Like, how's that easier than just like a nowadays? How's yeah. that? Easy? I mean, there's there's probably like a like a Tinder group or something you can join that's easier than that, right? Upside yeah, like do they get excited yeah. if they go into like a smoothie bar or something? Yeah, it's like, ooh, the pineapples are upside down. Yeah. You know what <laughs> that means? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, right, the more it. you know. All right, this is the best thing I saw on TikTok. Just came back from the store, and we got Indian food. Yeah. Actually, this was Pakistani food, but had they were similar. Yeah. Pakistan. Yeah, Pakistan. Yeah, we didn't know yeah. what to get, but we got chicken tikka masala because the manager said it was good. <laughs> the um, male. <laughs> he said a tip is to eat it with yogurt, and then we have some garlic naan. It's a bit dry. And then we got some chicken biryani. Biryani. I think biryani. The smell was like haunting me in the Uber back. Yeah, let's try yeah. it. Me and her also got our nails done oh, for three hundred dollars. Tell us if it's a good price. I personally love them. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> so first we're gonna try the chicken biryani. <laughs> I heard very good things about this. No, it's Brianna. No, it's Brianna. This is how I feel whenever I see anybody do like trying Mexican candy or yeah. like just I'm like, why people? Come Whoa. on. <laughs> This, this girl on the left is a really good actress. The commitment, <laughs> yes. Whoa. Um, not for me. Okay, so I'm gonna try the chicken tikka masala next. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice, yeah. nice. I'm just gonna try it. Here's the nan, garlic nan, the nan bread. Here's the nan bread. I'm hungry now. Damn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that looks, that looks good. <laughs> Damn. All right. So it's a parody of white people just 
about caucasity. <laughs> no, no, no. Who likes this? Put the camera on, Brittany. Have you worked this thing? Ah, uh, reaction videos. Pakistani food, like a seven out of ten. Too oily for me. I'm actually on a diet. Can't wait to eat a salad. Too tomorrow. oily, too spicy. I think I'm gonna rate it three out of ten. But since it's cultural, I'm gonna rate it four. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> nice. Hey, the kids are going to be all right. They know how to tell stories. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah that's definitely like one of those like, and they call this uh, guacamole or yeah. you know, like one yeah. of those, one of those. Tamarind flavor. Yeah, I, I can't tell you how many reacting to Mexican candy videos I've seen. <sighs> All right, wrapping this up here. Uh, I do want to shout out that um, that uh, oh, we forgot to give away tickets today, but oh my god, uh, that's fine. Uh, so the digital gym, and I'll do a quick uh, commercial here for the digital gym. The Mehenta Show is proud to have the digital gym in San Diego, California, as one of our sponsors, and they're allowing us to give away tickets so that you guys can go check out the brand new Digital Gym Theater in downtown San Diego. They used to be mm -hmm. in El Cajon, uh, Bully, and now they're in, San, in downtown. This week, uh, the Louis Armstrong's uh, Black and Blues film is, is playing. It's a cool little like 40-person theater, air conditioning, nice screen. Uh, oh, they, yeah. they did a... Um, they played a 60-millimeter cut of... Uh, the original Night of the Living Dead a couple of weeks ago that I didn't get to go to. Uh, they're playing, they play a lot of cool indie movies. Uh, this is a real popular movie right now, Argentina 1985. Uh, the, the Louis Armstrong movie starts this week. And then there was one other one. Uh, and I think they're also playing, uh, they're playing Halloween. Oh, sorry, that's not what I wanted. That's not, not this way. Uh, oh, yeah. Hold on. Ooh, Halloween, the original? Yeah, they're playing the original Halloween. Very cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So that's Saturday, great. October 29th. So. We were going to give away tickets. So if anybody's in San Diego, <laughs> uh, hit me up. If not, I'll probably just take the tickets myself. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we should have those at the beginning of the episode. Damn. Damn, I know, I'm sorry. But uh, uh, shout out to the Digital, digital Gym series. Uh, so, man, uh, go check them out, man. So we're going to yeah. be giving away tickets every show now uh, to people in Southern California so they can come check this out and so that people can get to know the theater a little bit better. Cool. That's cool. I love the Digital Gym. I love uh, them. So so you want to go see a movie Saturday? Calm down. Oh, no. Do I? Did I win? <laughs> <laughs> you are the lucky wiener. Oh. Fuck yeah! All right. How cool. many right, non-Emmas do we have? We have. Let me get seven. All right. I'm gonna save the rest of these for later. I'm gonna give you guys yeah. one more. I'm gonna let you choose though. Okay. All right. Do we want to talk? Do you want to see a horrible Tinder date or a cringy wedding speech? <laughs> Andrew? Andrew, you, Andrew, yeah. Andrew, yeah. Andrew yeah. I, mean, I mean, after the reaction from Sophia, we have to go with the wedding speech. <laughs> All right, we're going to yes. go with uh, uh, white lady cringe, okay? Nice. All right, here. The best kind. The best kind. Oh, I thought it was an onamis. <laughs> Hi, I'm Shannon. I'm Tracy for. Oh, God. So I don't quite know if that well, but... It's not off to a good time. Like, mm. Not so. <laughs> Seriously. 
And she's like, I'm mean, like, I'm like, I don't care. No, just kidding. Just kidding. She doesn't care that he's black. Oh my god. Seriously, like tell death to his party. Like, seriously, you better take care of my girl. Because if you do, I know where you live. <laughs> 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 Just Even that little girl is. That little girl's like. Yeah, they were the little kids though. Oh no. Like, I'm not gonna be racist or anything. Just kidding. Oh my God. no, it got worse. It got worse. Be racist, okay? No. Oh. It's just cute. I'm not gonna be racist. You guys are gonna get the like, No, seriously, you guys are outstepping the stereotype. Oh, I love you guys. It's so painful. I chose wrong. The girl, she's like, are you? She's like, is she done? This is terrible. Oh no! Oh. Bless you. Thank you. They're like, hey, 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 bitch. Yes, Becky. <laughs> give up, give up the mic, Beck. <laughs> You're done here. You're done. I mean, how do you, how do you get the like? Because she starts off the speech by saying, "I don't know you that well." Yeah. I don't know, I don't know him that well. And she and told me he was black. Like, I was like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh. like a courtesy. And I'm not racist. Yeah. Just so you just so you guys are aware, I am not racist. Digging that. (laughs) Just keep just keep digging (sighs) yourself through. All right. Um, we're gonna get to Denama's way in two seconds, but we did promise uh Andrew that we're gonna do a bracket bit. We're gonna do a speed round though, all right? So we're gonna do speed round uh nonamas. I mean not speed round nonamas. We're gonna do speed round uh bracket bit. But I do have to absolutely play the song. I can't not play the song. I oh, gosh. I got I to gotta play the song. All right, Andrew, you're our guest. And I don't know if you've seen me do this on previous shows, but something that we do with all our guests is something that we like to call Bracket Bit. Yeah. All right, boys, you know what that sound means. It's time for Bracket Bit. Bracket Bit. Bracket Bit. Woo, 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 woo. Bracket Bit. Is right, Andrew. The music means it's time for bracket bit. Sophia, thank you for hanging out with us here. We're doing a little. Yeah, it's past my bedtime, man. You know, you, you're you're still okay for us right now. We're gonna we'll be out of here shortly. Yep. Uh, all right, and Andrew, you as a guest get to go through the bracket bit. The bracket bit is created to add maximum pain. I create the bracket, you solve it. We've been doing a Halloween bracket since it is Halloween, so we're gonna give you some Halloween franchises, and you okay. tell me some horror franchises. You tell me which one moves on. Are you ready? Yes. Whatever term I, I whatever t- whatever methodology you you want to use to solve the bracket, which movie is your favorite, which one you think you'd rather direct, whatever. Sometimes I like to ask myself if I had to watch one of these two movies, which one would I watch next? Okay. But just keep that methodology through the whole process, all right? Okay. And away we go. We got the Halloween franchise or sort of a more obscure, weird horror killing of a sacred deer. Uh, Halloween, for sure. All right. The Blair Witch Project or Alien? Alien. 
It Follows or The Exorcist? I'm just going to be very traditional. I'm going to go with The Exorcist. Yeah. All right. And if there's anything you want to add to about any of these movies that's particularly important to you, feel free. This is why we add this at the okay. end. I feel like you can't be a Catholic without liking The Exorcist. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And that way, just because we're doing the exercise, I got to go back here to our our exorcist themed logo at the top here. Yeah. <laughs> right. Religious this month we were. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, tremors or poltergeist? Is the oh. terror coming from below or from the TV? Tremors for sure. Yeah, Anything like with Kevin point. Bacon automatically gets bumped up once. Absolutely. Silence of the Lamb or Hellraiser? Okay, this is the first super tough one. Oh. I'm going to go... This is where I remind you that the bracket bit is created to cause maximum pain. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Shit, I, I gotta go with Hellraiser. Hellraiser. Indie cred. Yeah. Okay. Have you watched? It was super cheap. Have you checked the the remake? Yeah, yeah. It has. It, uh, it's cool to watch like a big budget version of the same thing. You know? uh, that's kind of cool. All right, The Fly or Nosferatu. Since I don't remember Nosferatu, I gotta go with The Fly. Mm-hmm. A nightmare on I think I know the answer to this one. A nightmare on Elm Street or Mandy. We gotta go nightmare. <laughs> for sure. We have Josh or The Shining. Ah uh, oh shit. I'm gonna go uh, I, I gotta go shining. Just because yeah. of the bear scene. Bear yeah. scene alone. Scream or the ring. Uh scream. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. All right. We got the two horror masters of the new generation we have the nope us get out peel franchise or we have midsomar hereditary um nope you're gonna go with peel over ari yeah yeah final destination or a quiet place um a final destination way funner Hmm. carry or gremlins Oh, Gremlins. All right. It's all First fun. Per- it's all fun, Brendan. First person that picks Gremlins, yeah. Texas <laughs> Chainsaw or Evil Dead. Oh, no. Why do you put those together? That's hard. Okay. Yeah, shit. Mm. It, it, is- it, it, oh, Sophia, when they're, when they're like, oh, when they're doing that, it just, oh, I love it. When it's the first Evil Dead, the bad scientist. Texas Chainsaw, yeah. Texas Chainsaw? Yeah. If it was Evil Dead 2, I would have flipped them. But What's Evil the franchise? Dead, it's a oh. franchise. This is the whole Texas Chainsaw versus the whole. It's still got to be Texas Chainsaw. All right, there we go. The Lost Boys or Psycho? Um, Lost Boys. Cujo or The Thing? Oh, The Thing for sure. Terrifier or Friday the (sighs) Thirteenth? I'm gonna go Terrifier just because it it got the second bracket bit in a row where Terrifier has beat Friday the Thirteenth. Natalie Mm -hmm. also put Terrifier through all the way to the finals. She was a big fan. The Thing or the Terrifier? Oh, the thing. The thing is immediately classic. Yeah. Texas Chainsaw or the Lost Boys? Uh, Texas Chainsaw. Gremlins Mm. or Final Destination? Gremlins again. Scream or Nope? Oh shit! Um, I gotta go Nope just because overall. Oh, interesting. Jordan takes out Craven. All right, The Shining or Nightmare? Oh, Nightmare for sure. The Fly or Hellraiser? Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. Tremors or The Exorcist? Ah, shit. Um, Tremors. Mm. Halloween or Alien? Oh, I'm wearing an Alien shirt, so Alien. Nice. Oh, <laughs> alien gets through. All right, Alien or Tremors? Shit. I'm wearing an Alien shirt, so Alien. <laughs> Hellraiser or Nightmare? 
Um, I want I would almost want to do Hellraiser because it has a space one, but I gotta go nightmare still. All right, that sets up an interesting final over there. Nope or Gremlins? <laughs> Gremlins, Gremlins for sure. Gremlins takes out Jordan Peele. I know. Inside Massacre, the franchise, or one of the horror classics of all time, The Thing. The Thing. The Thing. All right, we got our final four. This is an interesting one. I like, I like, I like your final four because I love Gremlins getting there. All right, we got Gremlins or the Thing. Oh, shit. Um, I'm gonna go with Gremlins. Do 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 do. Hey, and then Alien, the shirt you're wearing, or Nightmare on Elm Street, based the movie you made, a movie that we just saw. Ah. <laughs> I'm gonna go alien. Alien, yeah. Ooh, alien. And then lastly, we got alien or gremlins. It's like a, a serious series and a ridiculous series. Yeah. Um, Man, that that thing where she tells the story about her dad fucking dying in the chimney because he was trying I know. to is like it's like such an underrated fucking just like what. Yeah, and it comes out of nowhere. There's really yeah. no like lead up to it. It's amazing. Yeah, it's just like a throwaway, just horrible, <laughs> yeah. horrible thing. Yeah, it's so and it yeah, it's so great. It's a throwaway um, downer. Based on if I had to, if I had to pick someone who was like, oh, which one should we watch? I would go Alien before Gremlins. Now, if if they're like, hey, we're doing a eight episode Hulu show based on one of these two franchises, you get to direct one. Which one would you do? I, I still gotta go alien. Really? Yeah. yeah. I think I'd have some fun doing a gremlin show. See, I, don't I think it'll have some fun, but there's no rules to the gremlins universe. They break yeah. the rules constantly. So hey, it's, man, it's it's it's, it's, <laughs> it's midnight somewhere. All right, that is a valid bracket. Good job, Andrew. Good job getting to that. All right, now let's get to the final segment of all our shows, and it is something that we call. Now it's time for no namas way. No namas way. No namas. <laughs> All right, we got that. we got seven, but there a couple of them are a couple of them are really short, so so we we should be able to knock through them. Plus, you know, mm. it's Halloween, it's Halloween, it's Halloween. We're having a little fun. Spooktacular. All right, uh, all right. We're gonna go with scared to love. Okay, scared to love writes. I met my girlfriend last year when she was twenty, and I was twenty eight. When I posted some picture of us celebrating our one year anniversary, I got called a groomer and a pedo. By mostly <laughs> randoms, but some of my longtime friends did say it was kind of creepy. I really love her, and we love the same shows and movies and act the same age, but it is going to be a thing if we stay together. And why doesn't anyone ask her how she feels and immediately calls us out? For background, we kept our relationship sort of hidden for a while until we were both cool with being more public, and now we are regretting it, or at least wondering how we will deal with it since we don't want to break up. Hmm. I think it'll actually be less of a problem as they get older, but yeah. also like, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I've talked to like 20 year olds and I, I don't have anything in common with them, but yeah. if you, if, I mean, if they're comfortable, they're both adults. Yeah. This is like, kind of like, it, 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 I think that, I mean, and I don't know if it's Gen Z. I don't think millennials are that bad, but it, there's just something like there's such a discourse right now about anything above like a three age age gap is mm-hmm. is seen yeah. as problematic like so fast. Like, and it's not even like a how did you meet each other? How did you do this? It's like 
you are a group. It's like my grandma met my my grandma when she was, and this is something that you can say about thousands of millions of Latino families. It's like my grandpa was 26 and my mom and my grandma was 15 and they and they were married for 72 years. Mm-hmm. And right. then they'll immediately say, your grandpa was a pedophile. Yeah. You know, you, you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, well, I don't know if that really counts for like 1952, you know, but right, I, I understand right. it, but it's like. Yeah, I mean, it's just such a slippery slope or like, yeah, I think my grandparents, I don't think it was that big, but I think it was like my grandpa was older and like he literally took my grandma. Yeah, I was going to say like, my grandpa was rode definitely on a horse and he took her from the family and they got married that night. And they came back married and the the family finally accepted them, which I don't know how that looks to more normal people. Even saying it out loud, it's a little weird, but they were married until they passed. And so they seem to make it work. (laughs) I I think it's just like, I mean, if you feel comfortable and you guys, you're both adults and you keep, everything's been consensual, it seems, and I don't see... A problem. I mean, yeah. I personally wouldn't do it, but more power if you guys are happy. Sophia, yeah. what's the technical? Well, no, the technical. No, 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 no. Don't bring, don't bring use my book, degree against bring, me. Bring I'm, the book smart, please. I'm still so. an idiot. No, no, no. Um, no, I mean, I have. I'm similar to Andrew. I mean, I I wouldn't do it. I also don't find any 20 year olds that I have anything in common with. Mm. Um, but if it worked for you and it's genuine and it's sensual, you're both adults. She can join the military. I don't see why she can't date a 28-year-old. Um, but you also need to just come to terms with the fact that it's going to make people uncomfortable. That's a huge age gap. And it is her formative years, right? So you're past that. She's not. It's going to make certain people uncomfortable. You just have to make peace with that. And I don't want to say justify your love. But like, if you're very comfortable and confident that you have a true connection, you are mentally around the same level, then it's not grooming, you know? So... I would just say, just, you know, have faith in your connection. Um, Because unfortunately, there's going to be people that are always going to yuck that yum. I'm just saying it's weird. Like, I am one of those. I'm sorry. I just feel like that's a huge age gap. And I wouldn't let my daughter near a 28 year old. Um, Mm. But, you know, if I think it's more about the mental capacity and and the level of, you know, if, if, if you're near the same intellectual level, I would say, eh, it's fine. It's not a big deal. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not dating anyone where there's a possibility that I'll have to end up at a club. Like that's yeah, she's all not even anyway. she's not even 21. <laughs> exactly, she's but... not even 21. Like, but maybe she's not a drinker. Maybe she's not into the party thing. Yeah, I don't know, man. Don't know. But it's that thing where I think about that too. When and again, it doesn't relate to the older generations because it wasn't like that. But now, like if you think about it, I, if I was dating, you know, a 21 year old, I wouldn't want to go to the clubs, like I said. But you also don't want them to have to sacrifice those experiences in that time because for you and it's like that's like there's so many things to me that I just don't relate to with the 21 year old that I don't think like I just think those two things are but again if it works for you it works for you yeah as long as it works that's fine so my two cents are that I, I typically would um define grooming as meeting somebody when they're in their developmental years but i think i i've always thought it was like because i know creepy guys mm-hmm. and they're like yeah i got this chick and she's 13 14 and you know i'm just friends with her but i you know they were literally like saying i'm grooming this girl so that when she's yeah. 18 i can date her you know so that's the way i typically would define as grooming as meeting somebody in their formative years and 
specifically setting out to have them worship you so that when they get to a dating age, they, they consider you more than they consider somebody else, or you're so close to them that it just seems natural. Or you say, hey, we w- I want you to be with me and stuff like that. I think the second part of that is you're giving guys too much credit because I, I, I think any guy like that's in their 20s is still dumb as fuck. And <laughs> from my perspective, I don't think that if you didn't know them when they were younger, and I guess you can say if you're not fully developed till 25, then anything underneath that is going to be sus. But then if I think if we really as a society are going to do that, then we need to also stop people from doing porn until after mm-hmm. they're 25. And right, maybe, right. That's what I mean. Yeah. Because I think almost that, yeah, be because I think or... that's almost more harmful, mm-hmm. you know, and, but then we're also supposed to be like pro sex work. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so I think it's just like, we, we're, we're super, we're super hypocritical about this whole thing. Because there's certain yeah. things that we allow 18 year olds to do and 20 year olds to do, and the, and then all of a sudden when they say they want to date a 30 year old or a 28 year old, we're like, no. Mm-hmm. I think we're giving guys too much credit because I think dumbass guys in like their 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 20s and, and early 30s even will date who's attracted to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so I, mean, I yeah I think that's where that starts. So if you're telling me that if you're a 27 28 year old dude and a 20 year old chick is into you. It is very difficult for that guy who's dumb and also not super developed to say no to that. Mm-hmm. Now, that's what I mean by as long as they're in similar levels intellectually, because right. that's when grooming can occur is when one person yeah. is just like way ahead of the other one. And they use that. to Yeah, like this, like, like the like the senior dating the freshman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, because there's such a power dynamic. There. Yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. I'm saying. but if but if you're like in your 20s and there's like a 19, 20 year old chick and she's into you mm-hmm. guys, guys, guys date. You know, like like the old Chris Rock thing. Uh, uh, a man is as faithful as his options. If you have no options, it's very easy to be super faithful. But if you have multiple options, or if if, if the girl is attracted to you, then I don't see how that is a. Unless you're at that point, you're telling 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 23 year girls that they that they're the ones that are wrong by being attracted to these dudes. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think there's that part. But in your in your in your in your scenario, um, scared to love. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Man. I changed like, my opinion based on that username. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> scared to love. I think it's just uh, the you read. <laughs> scared to love. Like, like Sophia said, if you're confident in the relationship and if you guys are similar age mentally, then you're just going to tough it out. When you're 62 and she's 54, nobody's going to give a fuck. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. you're going to write it. You have to write it out until she hits like mid-20s. Yeah. And I'll yeah. tell you, if you guys are still together after she's turned 21 and she's... Yeah, I was going to say not, she's probably, probably going to dump you. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, I hope yeah. not. But yeah. Yeah. if I was a 20-year-old girl dating a 28 guy, I'm, I'm staying with him until I'm legal. Like yeah, until well, I can drink, I have my own life. Where... I'm gonna want to date younger guys. Like I don't know. Yeah. So, once, right. once you get out there, yeah. Moving right along. All right. This next one comes to us from I found the hentai. Uh, my dad asked me to fix something on his laptop. He is not quite a boomer and usually technical savvy, but was having issues connecting his external hard drive. He gave me his laptop and one hard drive. I hold on. Let me put it over here so I can look at you guys while I'm talking. Um, he gave me his laptop and one hard drive. I switched out the cable and his hard drive worked right away. I I switched out the cable and the hard drive where I took it back to his office to tell him it was fixed, but he was he had stepped out. I saw he had another external drive on his desk, and I figured I would test it out to make sure it was working. Nope. When I plugged it in, 
it immediately read the drive and started auto playing my dad's entire porn collection. No. That was embarrassing enough, but I caught a glimpse of his playlist and I saw some of the titles and they were gross. Mostly teen-based stuff with girls younger than me. I'm mid-20s. Women in cheerleader outfits, etc. I was in shock but couldn't stop reading the names. Finally, I shut it (laughs) closed. Finally, I shut it closed, texted him that it was fixed and that it was the cord, but I left the porn drive plugged into his laptop that's awesome oh my god i have zero idea what to say or do that's badass yeah i would never mention it ever again yeah it's gonna be like it's gonna be so he knows right he knows knows. yeah Yeah. he knows it's a lie of omission for sure yeah that's That's gonna be one of those things that's just gonna hang over you guys Until his deathbed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say, in the dad's defense, <laughs> you like you you never you're not necessarily looking for the topic. Sometimes you're just looking for the performer, mm-hmm. and so the titles could be misleading. You know, especially like if he's getting them from like just random porn sites. Like titles don't mean anything. Like they'll title like Hassan, like tearing up a Republican, like white guy destroys Republican ass you know like yeah titles don't mean anything so maybe it was more normal i wouldn't judge him based on random titles okay here's a question yeah. for you guys what you find your dad's porn stash what would be more shocking to you that he had like the barely legal teen category or that he had gay porn mixed in I, or like some bi porn which one would make you be like oh wait hold what what i, I don't know maybe i'm just weird. I'm i don't either. I, yeah, I, I don't think porn, porn, yeah, I think yeah, when it comes porn to porn is... preferences, it's like it doesn't necessarily go with what you like in real life. I don't know. I've I've yeah. heard too many porn stories from friends and everyone's yeah. into weird shit. I <laughs> so just, I'm like those are not yeah. extreme at all. Because I feel like if you want to be sex positive and you want to be supportive of sex workers, then you have to ex- like understand that porn can be explorative. Mm. And so if you if maybe you know maybe he thinks he has some gay thoughts or something and he wants right. to explore it and maybe he didn't get into it or maybe like i remember the one time i bought a porn movie they like gave me another disc and it just had a bunch of clips from random porn mm-hmm. and it just had everything <laughs> so yeah. uh it had gay porn it had like uh bisexual stuff it just had whatever it was like a app like a here's a little appetizer and so mm-hmm. that was super weird but you know, I think I think it's just whatever if they want to be into it. Yeah, then. I I don't want to make it weird, but like I would say I would panic if I found something illegal. So like yeah, actual human sex trafficking with like you know little girls, like something along yeah. the lines of that Glee guy. There's a line. Like get a, yeah, there's yeah, a line. So like bestiality, yeah. right. bestiality, exactly. I think then I'd be like, oh fuck. Even if I gotta, it's, I gotta tell the cops. Even if it's super rough, even if it's illegal stuff, I don't know. That's that's yeah, like that's tying up, like domination. I don't know. There is a little, there is a creep factor to like the barely teen stuff, where, where it's mm-hmm. like the twenty-five-year-old chick that's acting like she's eighteen or like yeah. the first time on camera mm-hmm. stuff. That's the stuff that I feel is a little bit more exploitative. Especially, you know, like all because there's been like actual cases where girls sign up, they do a porn. The porn person says, yeah, we're selling this on VHS in Russia. And they put it on the Internet the next day. They go back to their hometown and everybody's Mm -hmm. seen them, you know. So, yeah. And that was like an actual case. Like they're looking for some dude that they're trying to put him in prison for life. So it's going to just hang over your relationship with your dad for the rest of your life. And maybe don't get maybe if you get super drunk at Thanksgiving this year, you might be like, yeah, Yeah. but you'd be like, yeah. 
Or, or uh, you got that to use because you'd be like, mm, motherfucker, I saw yeah. your, you know. All right. So yeah. good luck like, that. oh, you want me to take out the trash? I don't know. Maybe I, I know. take out this hard drive and we'll see what's on. <laughs> Should I put my cheerleader outfit off when I put out the trash box? Tell mom a little something <laughs> interesting. Yeah. All right. Um, hates Halloween writes most overrated Halloween franchise or mm. horror franchise, I guess would be the right oh, way. Overrated. Overrated. I would say that I'm not a huge fan of the Jason franchise. I like Friday a couple, 13. but Same. yeah, that's why it was so easy to get rid of it. Um, mm-hmm. To me, I mean, I like the my favorite one is the one where he fights Freddy. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's probably mine in terms of I won't. Yeah, watch it. I, I can say it's like one. that's super popular. That's yeah, we go with that Friday the Thirteenth. I think so too. Yeah, I would have to agree. Out of the like, out of the popular horror cult classics, yeah, Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. All right, choose or die. Uh, right. Um, if you had to die in one horror movie, but it was real to you, which would you choose? Mm-hmm. You have to die for real in a horror movie. Hmm. But you, you get to choose. Definitely not hostile. I just I don't want to be tortured. I don't. I don't want. I want it to be a quick death. Definitely not hostile or saw. Or maybe Final Destination, but one yeah, of the quick, one of the quick nice. deaths. It's just like yeah. I don't know. On a roller okay. coaster, my head gets cut off. I don't know. Something that's not a bad. That's not a bad choice because that one's like, yeah, you definitely want to go for it. You don't want to go with a saw or something like that. No, yeah. Even though it'd be like, oh, it's cool to be a guy because I could get out of the puzzle and saw. But yeah, no, think- and then Nightmare on Elm Street, the yeah. whole like sleeping. Like I love sleeping. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't really yeah. scared to sleep. <laughs> the least torturous, the better. Definitely not Terrifier. Definitely not like Cannibal Holocaust. Definitely not Jaws. Yeah, no. yeah, Jaws would be bad. Yeah, that would be that would be bad. So yeah, probably. Well, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, well, I was just saying, like, maybe there's like there's that line in Dust Till Dawn where he says, like, oh, if these things are from hell, then there must be a heaven. Oh, yeah. So if you find a <laughs> demon, if, that means that you might automatically go to heaven if you win, even my, if you die. I've, yeah. I've changed my choice to being murdered Salma by Hayek. Hayek yeah. from Dust Till Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> That's, Me thank too. you. Thank you. Be the best one. Yes. Yeah. Death by Salma is the choice here. She Absolutely. can do anything. Yeah, I'll do that yeah. not in the movie. Punish me, right mommy. Now. Let's figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew right. just switched this out like yeah. so quick. <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank you for your contribution. There you go. Yeah. Worth the price of admission right there, Andrew. All right. Reese's, <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cup is the goat of all Halloween candy. Undefeated. No one can convince me otherwise. But can you try rank all the Halloween candy from best to worst? Now, oh. do it. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Trick or treat, uh, motherfucker. All right. <laughs> uh, I don't think Reese's. What are our the, options? I, I, th- I think. Uh, I think. Uh, I think Kit Kat is the goat for me. Yeah, I would say Kit Kat or Snickers. Kit Kat is good because you Fun can size eat Kit it Kat. while yeah. walking. I do. Yeah. You can't eat a Snickers. Or, I mean, a Reese's while walking. It's too messy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I go Kit Kat, and the worst is uh, anything corn nut or um, that one. BS orange candy. Which one are you talking about? You know what I mean? Um, oh, candy corn? Yeah, candy corn. Candy corn is a candy corn. Candy corn. Like no. Candy corn? Yeah, I love it. I, What's I, the worst for you then? For worst, opinion, I guess. It's got to be dots. dots. Oh, I hate dots. They're yeah. so chewy. And yeah, I hate dots. But they have no flavor. They have dots like are, or those fucking, those uh, Smarties. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It's just, it's just that dust. Yeah, it just seems like shot. Yeah, dots and Smarties for sure. Why? Dots Smarties are the worst, and any and any licorice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't I hate... like licorice at all. Yeah, yeah black and then, licorice is disgusting. My favorite are like the uh, the candy coated fentanyl pills that they're giving out. That <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Those are my favorites. KitKat uh, is a really good answer. I love KitKat. I forgot about yeah, it. KitKat is yeah, KitKat. KitKat is for me. Yeah. yeah. All right. Last two here. Uh, this one comes to us from already updating my resume. All right. Back in the office after two years of remote work, new supervisor that was hired during the pandemic and I never met in person comes by my cubicle, sees my chapstick, grabs it, takes the top off with his teeth. Uses it on his disgusting hairy lips, says something like this weather just changed its killer on my skin and no. throws it back on my desk. <gasps> I recoil in horror as he walks away. He sees my reaction and says, I'll grab you a new one at lunch if you're scared of cooties. What? Ew, that's that's not real. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Quit uh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Quit your job. File a complaint, honestly. Yeah, because yeah, that's. It's like the equivalent of using your toothbrush. Toothbrush, yeah, exactly. That's so <laughs> personal. Like, yeah. what? Even if, like, I gave someone, like, if someone asked for a drink of my water, I would expect them to do the, like, hold over your mouth. Yeah, thing. Mm-hmm. you, you, you got a waterfall. You, you drip. You don't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you don't put it on your mouth. You put Ask, it on all You don't put mouth. it on your mouth. Yeah, that's. Have people uh, just lost all understanding of how you. Uh, we're trying to live in a society here. Yeah. That's some serial killer behavior right there. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. I would say, yeah, quit. File a yeah. complaint yeah. first. Yeah, file a even complaint. on a real note, it's a weird cross boundaries that they've mm-hmm. done and they didn't even ask. Like, yeah, there's so much wrong with it. Now, yeah. was it a brand new chapstick? And were there like, did you have like a bunch of chapsticks there? Or is it just like your personal one? Like, where was it on your desk? It might be the only thing. Because if he's like, oh, maybe, or maybe yeah. the company put out chapstick everywhere for everybody. Yeah. I don't know. Like, maybe then they would be like, I'll just get you another one. Like, maybe he was just trying to make a point, And then he saw that you didn't kind of get the joke. And he's like, I'll get you a, a new one at, at lunch. Yeah. But even but, then, but even, then me, even then, it's still like, why, why yeah, not ask? Yeah. Why you should have been like, oh, that's one. some trash. That's some trash stick I found in the toilet. All right, just yeah. to like that turn it back on. Yeah. All right, um, and then and then quit. yeah, complainer quit. Get out of there. <laughs> yeah. Get out of there. Um, and then the last one comes to us from Solita. All right. Um, all right. How do you get over a fact like you can never go home again? A physical home and the person that felt like home both at once. Not a breakup. Just I lost both recently and can't seem to stop crying. I'm confused, homesick, and lonely. Hmm. No. Mm. No. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, that's what they say. You can't go home again. I think that morning... I mean, if it's not a breakup, but if it's like a, a situation where you where you're like maybe something has changed. Kicked out. Of a, I don't. Uh, I don't know. Me, uh, not a breakup. I just lost both recently and can't seem to. Well, regardless, you, they're going through a grief process, right? Like right. a physical loss. home and the person that felt like home. All right, so mm-hmm. it's definitely like 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 the end of a, a relationship or a situationship or something. Yeah. 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 That's rough. I think it's that thing where it it just involves time and like mm-hmm. finding holding on to the people who are still around. That's like the main thing. And if it is a relationship, a relationship or whatever, I mean, eventually you'll start looking towards other people, or you'll, you know, or maybe you'll just find you like being single. But there, it will change in time. So yeah, I think it is just kind of that. Give it time. Just take time. Yeah. Go through the grief process and then start building a home that maybe starts with you. Mm-hmm. Um, don't yeah. rely on somebody else or living with somebody else or, you know, just uh, try to find a home and make a home within yourself. And then later you can maybe start to look at other people and build, and build something with them. 
Yeah, but. put any energy that you think in trying to salvage stuff like that and just put it into yourself. And yourself, it, it's cliche, art. but you have to work on yourself, enjoy spending time alone. Like Andrew said, focus on the people that are still in your life that want to be in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 participate in life on your own terms. Uh, when you're ready, go out there and, and just whatever the thing that you love to do is, uh, do it and just live your life. And, 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 and the shit will fall into place, you know? Yeah. Eventually you'll find that you no longer miss said person or home. Yeah. So, yeah. You can't go home again. Judge yourself if it takes too long, like let it take yeah. as long as it's going to take. Cause I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of times people get mad at themselves cause they're like, I'm still sad after, you know, three months or whatever. Like, you know, it's time. It takes what the amount of time it takes. So don't, yeah. Don't be too hard on yourself. Exactly. Yeah, don't be too don't be too hard on yourself, and uh, just remember that um, you know um, you always have uh, the podcast. <laughs> yeah, this is your home. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, like 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 yeah. These learned uh, co-hosts and, and guests here have said, just you know, work on yourself and, and don't worry about that because, um, and don't try to outsmart, which is something that I did with my dad's death. Is don't try to mm-hmm. outsmart grief. And don't try to don't try to cheat the grieving process because as 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 smart as you think you are, you there is a reason why there's stages and why you have to go through that because mm-hmm. um because like you said, like I, I've never stepped back into the same house. You know, I walk into my dad's room and stuff like that sometimes and I'm just like you know, and it's been several months and I still like two days ago, I found myself crying about it. So it's you, you have to go through a process. Things will happen, whether it's a relationship, a death in a family, a, a pet, it's always going to yeah. be something that's there. Yeah. So Loss allow, yourself of any to mourn. Kind is rough. allow yourself to mourn mm-hmm. and uh, allow yourself to be and, and allow yourself whatever amount of time that you need to feel better about things and to feel better about yourself and to just, you know, live your life for you. Yeah. The only way out is through it. There you go. Good luck. All right. Thanks, Sophia, for sticking around for overtime. Thank you, Andrew, very much. Thank you very much for being a guest. Thank you uh, to Joe Castro. Yes. We had a couple of country boys, a couple of Texas (laughs) boys on the show tonight. Um, And uh, both in the horror film industry. So much love to everybody that's that's stuck around. Much love to everybody that's listened to us. much love to Podbean for featuring us and getting us a bunch of different people listening to the pod on be- on the thing. Make sure you guys check out uh, Andrew's channel and uh, Joe's website that are in the chat. Mm-hmm. Thank you, everybody. Happy Halloween. Andrew, we'll be back in one mm-hmm. minute to say goodbye. Everybody else. Hasta luego, out. mi gente.